wrestling fans, you're listening to Wrestling with Johnners. Here's your host, John Scott. What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Johnners. This is episode 76 and uh, we've got a, a special guest with us this week. I'll introduce our special guest host very, very shortly. Today we're going to be concentrating, we're going to be looking at... Um, quite a few things that's happening within the wrestling world over the last few days. Uh, on Thursday of course we had uh, Crown Jewel, the WWE pay-per-view from Saudi Arabia. Lots of uh, different opinions about uh, whether it was a good show, bad show, the, the ending of the uh, main events and uh, all the various happenings in all the matches there. So we look forward to getting into that very, very shortly. We're also going to be covering off this week's NXT and AEW Dynamite and uh, finishing off with, uh, we're going to be having a little bit of a chat uh, about what happened last night on Smackdown because quite a few interesting things happened there. So some uh, fresh faces from a certain company that we're going to be talking about very, very soon turned up. And uh, the reasons why they were there will be uh, uh, making apparent as well. We'll be kind of discussing that. But first of all, as I like to do every single week, is to uh, throw out my plugs so you know where to find Wrestling With Johnners on social media. If you're on Twitter, you can find us. Our Twitter handle is at withjohnners underscore pod. That's at withjohnners underscore pod. On Instagram, go out and find us. Uh, we're at Wrestling With Johnners. That's Instagram.com forward slash Wrestling With Johnners. Go out and search our uh, ever popular, fun, friendly and interactive Facebook community page. Just search Wrestling With Johnners. And that's Johnners spelled J-O-H-N-E-R-S. And uh, we've been uh, doing a bit of work to our YouTube channel of so go out and search our YouTube channel to simply search Wrestling With Johnners. I've got uh, every single one of our podcast episodes up there, including all of our uh, video casts and live interviews with various guests such as uh, Gary Michael Capetta, former WCW ring announcer and former WWE ring and, uh, referee Jimmy Corderas, of course. So go and check out our YouTube page as well and don't forget to hit subscribe. Uh, this is the only podcast for all of your weekly NXT, AEW, uh, NXT UK and WWE needs. So uh, yeah, for all of your all-round pro needs. So please spread the word. Please tell your friends and tell your family. Don't forget to subscribe to all of our social media channels and uh, yeah don't forget to follow the wrestling with johnners podcast on youtube and spotify and apple um but uh, we're only one week away by the way from our first anniversary so in one week's time we'll be celebrating the Wrestling with Johnners' first birthday. Uh, I'll be joined by uh, guest host Kurt Johansson, uh, formerly of the Wrestle Thoughts podcast. Now where uh, he's part of the the Ringsider team, um, and they're getting that up and running uh, as we speak uh, with some brilliant podcast content from those guys. But uh, Kurt will be joining me uh, next weekend for our first anniversary episode, and it'll be a special um, Ask Johnners Q and A special. So if you have any questions you want to get in for me or Kurt for next week's Ask Johnners uh, Q and A special, our birthday anniversary edition, then please do. So you can email our, uh, any questions to uh, wrestlingwithjohners at gmail.com or just comment uh, to any of our Facebook groups or any of our uh, Twitter links. Uh, as mentioned, we're at, at withjohners underscore pod on Twitter. So that will be a very, very exciting episode dropping next Saturday. But uh, without further ado, um, this is really going to confuse our listeners uh, because I've got a fellow podcaster uh, on the line and uh, his name uh, is also John Scott. So, John Scott, uh, thank you very much for coming on the Wrestling with Johnners podcast, buddy. How are you? 
Yeah, I'm good, thank you. And uh, yeah, it's great to be here. I've been listening to you guys for a little while now. So uh, yeah, I think I reached out to you a little while ago and uh, said, hang on a minute. We've both got the same name. We're both doing the same thing. Very uncanny. Did you think it was like a bogus account and somebody was trying to a fan account of yours or a fake account <laughs> or something? I can't be that, that famous just yet, surely. <laughs> but, um, you, well, you are getting that way because you've got uh, a podcast, as I mentioned. Uh, it's mm-hmm. called WrestleLine Podcast. Yep. You're also very active on YouTube with your WrestleLine TV channel. Um, so tell us a bit about your podcasting activity, how it's kind of transitioned into youtube with the the tv channel and you do a lot of uh, interviews i've seen quite a few interviews of yours most recently with one of my favorite wrestlers paul robinson yeah. uh, current uh, progress um champion um what's the name Pro- about these proteus, proteus. proteus. Yeah. Oh, i always get that one confused but uh, yeah it's one of my favorites and uh, so, so tell us a bit about your podcasting career and how that's developed then john yeah, so uh, the podcast started about five years ago now, and uh, literally started just by doing some interviews. We had Diana Hart on, we had Daniel Puder, Sheldon Goldberg, just a, a real random bunch of people uh, to begin with, I guess, uh, around the circle. And then from there, we just was going weekly with just reviews on the podcast. And after that, um, pretty much evolved into where it's at today, which is uh, we're now going towards video content. Um, and of course, WrestleLine, which you can find on YouTube um, currently, which is basically us now going around to a lot of shows. We've been, we've been doing Ring of Honor recently, uh, lots of progress wrestling in that, and uh, a lot of our sort of independent shows in and around Essex, like WrestleForce and uh, All Star Wrestling as well, who's uh, been around for almost forever, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, uh, I think it's their 50th year next year, believe it or not. That's um, outstanding. Um, you, you've yeah. got a you've got a, a co-host as well. So uh, who's that give, you co-host yeah, with? I better give him a plug, or so it'll definitely be upset. <laughs> that's, that's Matt Essex. He, we haven't found a double for him yet. That's what we're waiting for. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's been there all the way with me as well. And uh, yeah, we're just sort of two passionate wrestling fans, uh, much like yourselves, I'm sure. And uh, yeah, we just decided like let's let's go on with this and let's create our own channel and let's get around there and get ourselves there. So. That's pretty much where we're at at the moment. Yeah, it's fantastic you've been doing it for, for five years. I mean, that's that's pretty good because, you know, I mean, podcasting has really exploded over the last few years. And sure. I, I listened to a lot of podcasts, a lot of independent podcasts, a lot of more mainstream podcasts. And I thought, yeah, let's give it a go. You know, I've got uh, about nearly uh, 28 years of wrestling experience or wrestling mm-hmm. fandom under my belt. And I thought, yeah, I could probably share my uh, passion and love for wrestling. But uh, let's talk a little bit about your wrestling fandom then, John. So, sure. uh, so I've, I've been a wrestling fan nearly all my life. But mm-hmm. uh, tell me a little bit about uh, how you first came across wrestling uh did you stumble across it did you have like friends that are into it that kind of had all uh, vhs tapes and uh, so so yeah. kind of what were your first memories of becoming a wrestling fan then john well my, well my first memory believe it or not i was up one night not well uh, as a kid and there just happened to be i think it might have been a royal rumble on sky box office and the first people the first tag team i saw come out was the road warriors nice and i was just hooked because they're so elaborate, it was so over the top, and it was like, they looked just totally cool. And it, yeah, it just hooked me right from the first moment. And then the figures came, obviously, like most people. Figures were so much different, I think, back then, when I was a, a, a boy as a fan, to what they are, they are now. Like, yeah. the places you'd find figures was much more mainstream than it is now. You really, you've got to kind of go to sort of meticulous toy shops now and places to, to get that. But back then you could probably get it pretty much anywhere. I just remember aisles and aisles of the stuff uh, and WCW, which 
Um, I was always, always disappointed with those figures because they were stuck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you couldn't move the arms and couldn't move the no, legs. No, that, that was it. So, uh, but yeah, guys with face paint were like my in thing. So Sting was relatively like a, a good thing. But uh, as I got older, um, I really started to become a huge Bret Hart fan um, and still am to this day in a lot of ways. Probably my sort of favourite out-and-out wrestler of all times. Um, I was... I happened to be at Wembley 92, um, which was just amazing, the experience of Wembley Stadium. And yeah, course, same here. I was there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and the crazy thing about it was that, you know, if you think back to 1992 and you think how much in this country uh, from that moment has happened uh, yeah. for, the, for the WWE market in this country, it all kind of stems from Wembley 92, uh, that SummerSlam. It's just sort of, had so many people um, enthralled by uh, the British Bulldog and Bret Hart in that main event. It was just, it was pretty much a magical moment. It was and so was hot, a... wasn't it? It was so such a hot period. I mean, uh, 91 yeah. when uh, Bulldog won the Battle Royal at Albert Hall. You yeah. know, I mean, they were, they, I think it started touring around 1991. So, uh, and then through to SummerSlam, and it just exploded. I mean, the, the, my memories from that event at Wembley is as vivid today as it was back then. Yeah. You know, it was, it was a really hot, lovely, yeah, lovely sun, sunny day. And it just it, it, it was noise the whole three or four hours that we were there. And that main event was still to this day one of the best matches I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and that's the thing, as you get older, you appreciate different things. And uh, mm. looking back on it, it's, uh, yeah, it definitely still stands the test of time, that main event, um, pretty much to anybody. So, um, so yeah, that was sort of me growing up being a wrestling fan, uh, pretty much Bret Hart, the Hart Foundation, any of those guys, I was huge fans of those. And, um, yeah, I think later on, I did watch some WCW as a kid, but uh, pretty much a, a WWE guy. Yeah. Uh, growing up through school and into the Attitude Era when it was cool to like wrestling. Uh, Indeed. I'm not, I'm not so sure nowadays, <laughs> but back then uh, when Steve Austin come along, suddenly I was the cool kid uh, when I was about 14. Uh, up until that point, I wasn't the cool kid, but Steve Austin comes along and it's suddenly okay, it's acceptable. It is, yeah, definitely. So so uh, looking at more kind of modern times then, John, uh, you obviously go to a lot of wrestling shows, you interview yep. a lot of wrestlers at these wrestling shows. Uh, so what, what sort of uh, promotions do you like to follow and uh, what sort of wrestlers kind of are kind of on your top five list at the moment who, who do you really like to follow and enjoy their style or promo ability or whatever it might be about them? yeah um well there's a lot of promotions i've got to say for this country we're i think we're blessed at the moment with so many promotions we are lucky there. yeah um, you just every weekend it's full it's packed up and down the country you're not going to have an empty weekend which is just amazing considering where we come from. Uh, I, I can remember being a fan of the FWA uh, and turning up at York Hall every week. And that was just sort of one thing on its own. But now you look where, how far all that's come. And a lot of those guys are still around today, uh, still quite active as well, some of those guys. Um, I recently had Johnny Storm on, as a matter of fact. And, you know, he, he looks like he hasn't aged as well. <laughs> Other than his hair, he's exactly the same <laughs> as I remember him back in the FWA. Awesome. Um, yeah, uh, but I think, yeah, I think in terms of what I enjoy now, I, I actually, I tend to go back a lot. So I'm, I've been sort of a, a bit of a mark for the sort of old 70s territory system. Really? Wow. And, yeah. And just sort of going back and watching how all that operated and Georgia Championship Wrestling and um, Stampede especially, a very ahead of its time, I think, in a lot of ways. And uh, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed a lot of that. And I think 
I think a lot of wrestlers will say the same, that, that what was sort of old then can become new now and that mentality. So you do see a lot of wrestlers sort of going back to that era to sort of see what they can come up with if there's something that, you know, might catch on with them in today's market. Uh, and I think in terms of wrestlers I enjoy now, um, yeah, there's so much talent, you know. I mean, just in the UK alone, there is so much talent. Uh, who you mentioned earlier, Paul Robinson. Mm. I mean, he's local with me. He only lives in South Bend. I'm literally down the road. So I've watched him on all the sort of small indie shows and to see how and where he's gone with his character and every like. I'll say this much. Paul Robinson is Paul Robinson. Really? Well, wow. yeah. outside Paul of the Robinson. ring and inside the ring. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, you're not, you're not getting away from that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, mean, I, I enjoy so much of the wrestling. NXT is a massive uh, thing of mine ever since that's come around. It's given me a sort of new refresh uh, to get back into wrestling a little bit more. I like the style. Um, I'm, I am a little bit worried about where it's going to go now. Uh, in terms of the the products that they had, whether it will change. But I'm a huge NXT fan. Progress Wrestling, um, can't say enough good things about them as well. They they do such an outstanding job and professional-looking job um, with their shows. So, yeah, I, I would say I'm pretty much an all-round sort of wrestling fan. I take bits and pieces out of each. I love the whole new NWA power. I was going to ask uh, you about that, John, because you, that's it, because you mentioned earlier about how you, you're a bit of a mark yeah. for some of the 70s stuff. And this is a bit of a throwback to the 70s and it 80s is. with the, the studio vibe and uh, having that small crowd kind of yeah. atmosphere. And uh, I mean, I've seen every episode of NWA Power on YouTube mm-hmm. and it's it's just up there one of my favorite shows of the week and i think that uh, the opportunity they give the wrestlers in terms of the, the mic time and being able to be themselves and the matches have been pretty solid as well but the character yeah. development and everything about it's been spot on so far and it's a bit of a throwback uh, but it's also mixing the throwback with you know 2019 i think it really works yeah i think so i think uh, so it's got a nice retro feel to it mm. and uh, you know the only thing with nw power do, I, I like it but i wonder uh, i did sit with somebody who's a lot younger than me and they didn't get it at all mm, they could true. not see it and so i don't know if it's just for us for the fans that are just sort of want that old stuff if it's just tailored for me or whether new younger fans will be like Okay, I'm going to give this a go. This is different. But what I will say is they definitely have got identity, which is very, very important, I would say, to any promotion at the moment um, going head to head with anybody. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to more seeing where they go and, and how that evolves over time. Yeah. Well, John, uh, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. Yeah. I, I also asked you to kind of watch a lot of wrestling in preparation for this yeah, podcast yeah. today as well. So you probably uh, yeah. had enough of me sending you messages saying, <laughs> oh, we, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about that. Yeah. But as I mentioned at the top of the show, we are going to be mm-hmm. kind of delving into and talking about the top line stuff that happened on Thursday with Crown Jewel. We'll talk mm-hmm. about that very, very shortly. Mm-hmm. Obviously, two hours of AEW, two hours of NXT. Um, There was also a couple of hours of SmackDown last night. And if you watch Raw on a Monday and various other shows, MLW, NWA, as we mentioned, there's so much wrestling packed into the weekly calendar for the average wrestling fan. That I mean, where do your priorities lie? What what do you kind of have to watch every single week? And what's kind of dropped off your radar a little bit? Um, I think for us, we tend to go where our audience goes. And at the moment, there is definitely a lot of buzz around AEW for obvious reasons sure. i think a lot of people just want that something different and uh you know they want it to work they want it to succeed that's the difference uh with the wwe product at the minute so um yeah we, we tend to focus at the moment we're looking at wednesday nights i mean it is just such a 
<laughs> how do you do it? And, you know, for us in the UK, it's a little bit harder because we've got a little bit of a delay. Depends how you get around it. So uh, it's quite challenging, I would say, for us on the podcast at the minute because we, we really, and, and we've smacked down moving to Friday as well. Um, it's like, wow, you've really got, and then, and then you get a crown jewel placed in there. It's just like, <laughs> where where do you start, you know? Um, yeah. But for the most part, I mean, Raw and SmackDown have been the main ones that we, we concentrate. But what we tend to do now is uh, focus also a lot on sort of the independent stuff because uh, I think the exposure that we give on our YouTube channel, a lot of our podcast listeners uh, tend to find it quite interesting that there is a market going on within the UK and where are these guys. And you see a lot of guys now, they're, they're being signed to NXT UK very, very fast. And it's not like it used to be. I think the door and the access to get there is much, much smoother. So NXT UK is, is, is a massive thing to that. And uh, we certainly get a lot of people, especially our European listeners, sort of all wanting to find out, will, will, will they get one? You know, is it just going to be a Japan? Because I know that there was talks about them trying to do a Japan NXT um so yeah that, those kind of things i think it's kind of wherever the buzz is coming from that's where we pro- probably prioritize yeah. ourselves yeah absolutely i mean uh, but if you covered everything it'll be a 10-hour show every exactly. single week so you do exactly. need to know where to where to cut your cloth but uh, let's have a little chat about um crown jewel then yep. john so i'm guessing you've seen uh, seen the show or highlights from the show it's it quite an interesting show and personally i think it was probably the best show they've done from all the saudi events yep. in my opinion a lot of a lot of other people's opinion as well uh on the pre-show you had humberto carilla winning the pre-show battle rule to go on to face aj styles for the u.s title later on mm-hmm. in the opening match now the opening match was quite interesting and it kicked off with Brock Lesnar defending his um, WWE Championship against Cain Velasquez. So the interesting thing is, first of all, that they, they opened the show. And uh, Brock Lesnar's done this before this year at WrestleMania. So he's uh, you know not uh, unfamiliar to opening a big show such as this. Um, but uh, interestingly, this is Cain Velasquez's... I mean, obviously, we know about Cain Velasquez's U- UFC history and the fact that, uh, was it nine years ago, he, he won the UFC Heavyweight Championship mm-hmm. from Brock Lesnar. So they do have this ready-built storyline, this history between the two of them but he's only had two wrestling matches two pro wrestling matches ahead of Thursday night both of which were six-man tags I believe for AAA so this was his first ever match in the WWE and his first ever singles match in a wrestling a pro wrestling ring in in the pro wrestling world Mm -hmm. um and it did have a, it was an it was an interesting match. It had a shoot feel to it. it did have a shoot match feel to it. They were trying to replicate a bit of a, a UFC vibe um, to try to and you know, bring in that audience or to please that audience, I suppose. But the match ended very very quickly. It only went just over two minutes, and uh, Brock won the match via uh, a Kimura lock, and Cain Velasquez tapped out. Mm-hmm. Now Cain Velasquez has only been in WWE for a few weeks. Uh, when uh, SmackDown debuted on Fox on the fourth of October is when he made his debut an unexpected uh, shock moment there um but uh, he's not had a good run of things in fact you know he's been beaten down most weeks especially when he comes uh face to face with brock lesnar lost this match in two minutes bit of an interesting opener a bit of an interesting way to open the show what were your thoughts on this one john uh well with regards to brock opening the show it doesn't surprise me because i always feel like he wants to get out as soon as he can so oh yeah he's <laughs> probably running as soon as the His match private started. jet was uh, on the runway yeah, ready to that's go that's why yeah. he made it back in time uh, he did. but, <laughs> but um, yeah I, I didn't have a problem so much with it going on first it, I, I think in a lot of ways it might have made sense i felt one thing um you know and i know we'll talk about the rest as we go on but one thing i felt the pacing of the card was much better normally the Saudi Arabia shows the pacing of it has been all over the place and you can fade in and out 
but I felt like they they structured this a lot better. And so having Brock and Kane Velasquez out, you didn't want it anywhere near sort of the Tyson Fury stuff either, because very similar in a yeah. lot of ways what they were trying to do there. Um, so yeah, it was very short. I mean, two minutes is not a, a, a great thing, but then sometimes you know little is more uh, in, in in many ways. I think with Kane Velasquez, I think WWE may have been protecting him somewhat as well um i'm not sure if he was a hundred percent i know I've, I've heard rumors that he needs um i think it's stem cell surgeries and stuff like this to still happen so um but yeah a loss on his first match it, it probably doesn't sound the most ideal thing but then he mm. is brock lesnar um who you know has just won that wwe title i thought maybe they're gonna do a goldberg type situation i thought the same yeah where, you know, he's his kryptonite and this will run in maybe to next year. Um, but, you know, they've ended it quite, you know, fast and dramatically. And to me, it wasn't as if the match ended and I thought, oh, what's going to happen next? I took that as that's that done for now. Um, and they'll move on with Rey Mysterio me and too. Brock, I'm sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, overall, um, I didn't really have too much of a problem with it. I wasn't too... I wasn't too bugged out. I know a lot of our listeners felt it was too short and, you know, they booked this for so long. But for me, I, I kind of saw that coming, I think. Yeah, I thought it was the best possible outcome with the kind of mm -hmm. the two minutes, I think, suited it well. It had that yeah. uh, element of uh, reality. It did have a shoot fight feel. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think you mentioned the Goldberg situation from Survivor Series a couple of years ago where he beat Brock Lesnar in 90 seconds. And then they kind of built and built and built through to a storyline for the following WrestleMania. And I thought that was very effective. Mm -hmm. I've got a feeling they're going to do something similar here as mm -hmm. well, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. uh, in the next match, you had a tag team turmoil, which uh, featured the OC Viking Raiders New Day. Uh, the Revival B-Team, Heavy Machinery, um, Ziegler and Rude, uh, Zack Ryder and Hawkins and the Lucha House Party. Mm -hmm. And it uh, ended with the OC uh, winning the whole thing. Uh, I think they pinned the Viking Raiders last. So uh, uh, both tag team champions, the Revival and the Viking Raiders, uh, kind of didn't win the, the tournament but it was refreshing that uh, uh, a different team kind of overcame instead of a, uh, a champion or an existing champion it also gives the OC a bit more of a push um, and uh, kind of it kind of builds into a bit of a, a storyline because they're a raw, a raw tag team to possibly uh, challenge the Viking Raiders for uh, for the tag titles then you've got um, what many people are saying was possibly the match of the night which was Mansur versus uh, Cesaro now Cesaro, Cesaro seems to be kind of uh, wheeled out for these sort of matches to be the full guy to uh, these up and coming wrestlers or if ever they need a, uh, an experienced hand to put somebody over or to put a bit of a shine on somebody and that certainly happened in this case but I mean I've praised Mansoor on my podcast before many times before when we've seen him on the odd occasion on NXT um, and uh, on the on the previous Saudi shows and uh, he did very well here, it was a, a very good match and he won the match cleanly via a moonsault um, and the match went uh, just over 12 minutes so uh, the, the crowd were so into this and they were so into Mansoor and the fact that he won uh, but that afterwards he delivered a, a fantastic promo in English and in uh, his own uh, native language um, and um, yeah it was a good feel good moment so uh, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think with this, I kind of, I, I won't say, you know, I definitely thought he was winning. Um, it, it seems like WWE, anywhere um, they, they take the roster and there might be a homegrown talent, they normally lose. Um, but in Mansoor's case, it's the opposite. They, they go with a the win. They want the home crowd, um, which I think makes perfect sense, yeah. quite frankly. I mean, and like you say, Cesaro, I mean... Um, I think you might have been at the show in Cardiff. Was you there when he was yeah. there? And Yeah, similar kind of thing. I mean, Cesaro is just 
so underrated and so good at making guys look better, you know, even more better than what they are. Um, and, he, you know, he's got that about him. I kind of feel for Cesaro a little bit um, in, in, in the sort of position that he's in currently because I just don't see him getting out of it at the moment. But, uh, yeah, I mean, overall, it's a feel-good moment. It's what you, you know, you look at all those kids in the crowd, all, all the inspiring mm. people. Like we was talking about Wembley at the start of this show, what it was to us, this is a similar thing that this will probably have, you know, you'll have people 20 years' time like us possibly doing a similar thing and saying, this is where it started for me. Yeah. So, uh, it, yeah, it definitely makes sense to have this. Um, I think... The only feedback I've read where people are a little bit, oh, it's too cheesy, you know, it's too perfect, he won the wrong, you know. Um, I get that, and I think it's just because we've been educated that way. As, as WWE fans, we have been educated that everything you think should happen doesn't anymore. Um, and and so I just think that's all, all it is. But uh, overall, I was happy. I thought the performance was great for Mansoor. I mean, I hope that WWE do a little bit more with him on, you know, US soil, because it seems like they only built this in just as it was coming up to the show. I think that's the only disappointing thing about it. It's like, where has he been? I know he's done other things, but his exposure hasn't been there as much as it probably should be. But hopefully this will uh, be the platform for it. Yeah, they can't just wheel him out every time there's a Saudi show. Yeah. They need to capitalise on it. Maybe, you know, uh, you know, uh, NXT on USA, there's a good opportunity to bring him out for the odd match and yeah. hopefully we'll see more on that US Soul fairly soon. Uh, then we got... Uh, a fairly strange match, Tyson Fury. I mean, you mentioned earlier about the Cain Velasquez uh, kind of sports combat crossover um, in the opening match, and Tyson Fury being an undefeated heavyweight champion boxer going up against Braun Strowman. Uh, I wasn't really looking forward to this one coming into it, and uh, to be honest with you, it, it didn't really deliver in my books. It was, yeah, it, I, I, I really don't want to see Tyson Fury in the WWE ring again, to be honest with you. Like I say, I think he's got the great, a great personality, a really good character. He can certainly carry his own on the mic, um, but uh, I don't think uh, a wrestling ring is really where he needs to be. But what's your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are that they pretty much wasted the opportunity with Tyson Fury in many ways. Um, I think if you're going to have Tyson Fury, you need he needs a bit more uh, leverage with the mic. I mean, you look at Tyson Fury in the boxing world; he's cutting promos better than you know most of the guys on the WWE roster. I mean, just mm. for his own. But he gets into WWE and he's you know he's too scripted for my liking. There was that yeah. the incident with the pen. Oh like, dear! <laughs> and in that performance center video that went up, and I was just like. Oh, come on. Um, you know, Braun out of nowhere, like an RKO or something, uh, all seven foot of him. Uh, yeah, and, and so I, I wasn't, I can't say I was really feeling it. I do feel like they've wasted the opportunity a lot. I watched them on an interview with, uh, I think it was on Area Hawani's with where he was sitting with Triple H. And uh, he asked a question I would have asked, which is normally you only do this for WrestleMania. Why now? And I know Triple H said it was all about the timing. It's the fact that, you know, Tyson Fury had a big cut and this was just something to do. I'm sure Tyson Fury's very happy with the payday out of it. I'll say that much. The entrance was extravagant, as you'd expect. Oh, the entrance was Probably amazing. About the best thing of the entire match, in my opinion. Mm, but yeah. Um, yeah, it was just a shame. I think having Tyson Fury and Kane Velasquez on one night, it sort of watered down both of them, in a way. Yeah. Uh, it, took, it took away from both of them. And I think... I know there was speculation that they were going to go with Tyson Fury and Brock. I think that would have had a little bit more interest from me. But when I found out it was Braun Strowman, I could only see there was one winner. Uh, and so I sort of, you know, I, what, what's a shame is you 
most of the people I spoke to, they didn't care who was winning and losing. And that was a shame because I think most people had had it, you know, in pencil. It's Tyson Fury. He's not going to come into a wrestling ring and and decide to lose. Uh, But like you say, yeah, it was the match itself. There were some moments in it where you you did cringe. It wasn't the sort of thing I'd put on. I had. The problem is I've got a lot of friends that aren't into wrestling, but they're into boxing. And, of course, they tuned in for this. So it was like, oh, no, (laughs) worst possible time to see it. Um, I mean, again, they they did their best to try and protect him. I think he probably thought he wanted to do more. I think he he was trying to put all the effort in. You could tell he wasn't just turning up for a paycheck. But I think overall it was uh, I think it was just name. I think it was the name of Tyson Fury to be there, but that's all. It doesn't do anything for Braun Strowman, that's for sure. And, no. uh, you know, w- the end result is, well, they had Tyson Fury there. That, that's about it. Whether we see him again, uh, who knows? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was fairly obvious that Braun Strowman was was protecting Tyson Fury. He was yeah. not laying in the, you know, the, the full power with the body slams. He was really kind of looking after him, mm-hmm. which, you know, is fine. You need to look after your opponent. And especially if he's, uh, you know, a world champion boxer, you don't want to kind of break that, you know, that character, break that commodity and hurt him for his next match, which I think he's got a match lined up for early next mm-hmm. year. Yep. But it could have looked a little bit more realistic could have looked a little bit more impactful in my opinion uh then we get to aj styles putting his uh, u.s title on the line against the winner of the battle world from earlier humberto carrillo this was a good match um i like the way that they've been highlighting Carilla in uh, recent weeks uh, in a match against uh, AJ Styles last week and the week before against Seth Rollins on Raw. Um, So he's certainly getting, you know, quite a bit of a push. He came down with an extravagant costume, like I say, having just won the the Battle Royal. I thought this was a good match. Um, AJ was the the, the right winner at the end of the day. Um, But uh, I like the way they're pushing Carilla, and I don't know who's kind of uh, championing him behind the scenes, but whoever is uh, definitely doing a good job. And it's good to see a a good young talent like Humberto Carilla come through yeah definitely i mean he's he's come out of nowhere literally and um, for a change ww have embraced it they haven't just gone one week and then we don't see him again which is what i thought might happen when we saw that that week on raw um i was pleased he won the match and got the match with aj because you know aj can basically make our broom look good mm. he's that good i love aj as a heel at the moment i think it's where he's most comfortable especially uh back with the um with Gallows as well and Anderson. I just think he's perfect fit with those guys. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was a good match. I mean, it's like you said, it's, it's nice they're highlighting that for a change and, um, you know, they're, they're putting the emphasis where it should be. Uh, I just hope that I, I, I kind of got this feeling that they you may just see Gorilla like back in, you know, the average range at the moment. I don't know. I've just got this funny feeling that WWE are going to be done with him for a little while and they'll move on. But hopefully not, fingers crossed, mm. uh, they won't be. Because I think he's, um, you know, I wouldn't say he's he's going to be a, a main event star or anything like that just yet, but I think in that mid-tier, he, he can definitely have a good run. Um, you know, you look at what Ricochet was doing much earlier in the year. Yeah. Uh, I just hope he doesn't fall off um, like so many guys tend to uh, when they get that early push. Mm, be interesting to see what they do with him next. Uh, I think he's got a great look and a great move set. He's very smooth in the ring, very crisp. Uh, then on to uh, one of the big talking points going into Crown Jewel, and it was the first ever 
women's wrestling match to take place in Saudi Arabia. I think uh, other wrestling companies have taken credit for having the first, but uh, this is certainly the first under the WWE banner anyway. And it was big news when it broke. I think it broke possibly on the morning of the event itself. Uh, Natalia and Lacey Evans were chosen as the two uh, competitors for this match. And uh, I mean, I don't know about you, John, but I certainly had a bit of a lump in my throat. It was an emotional occasion. You could see the, the women tearing up in the ring, both on the entrances during the match and after the match. It was a very emotional sight. They had shots of people in the crowd. Um, and it was it was a really good feel-good moment. And regardless of what you think of these two wrestlers, it was a historic moment. You could feel that. You can tell that. Um, the match was okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I felt that... Uh, Lacey and Natalia, although they've had uh, several matches, uh, one of which was actually pretty good, their uh, last man standing match from a couple of weeks ago. But uh, what were your thoughts on this one? And, and more importantly, what what's your thoughts on kind of the, the uh, occasion and the, uh, yeah, the kind of the, the meaning of the whole match, basically? Yeah, I, I liked the fact that obviously it's historical for WWE's point of view. They tried to do this last time and there was like a last minute. Uh, where they pulled it, I believe the government stepped in and whatnot. So it was still up in the air for me until it got done. It wasn't done. Um, I liked it. I think what they, you know, finally it's done. I just what I would like to see in when they when they return there is it be a match where it's built into the story and they focus on the match because I mean Michael Carl and everybody, you know, you heard it so many times. It's the first ever. It's the first ever. It's the first ever. So we knew. We knew that much uh, by the end of it. And I know that they were trying to drill that home. And I think both performers in there, like you said, they were both very emotional. I think it wasn't really about how good the match can be. It's like the fact they're doing it, um, which obviously made um, the most impact of the night. But uh, I hope, I, I just hope they kind of move away from that. I remember at the first, um, I think when they had their first Royal Rumble for the women, Unfortunately, most of the Rumble was spent about, you know, oh, here comes Tori Wilson. Look what she's done for the this Royal Rumble. And it was it was like they should be happy that they're in it kind of thing, as opposed mm. to enjoying the, the moment of the story and who's going to win. Um, so I think as uh, as long as that happens and it evolves the right way and it's not always a thing about, well, we've got another women's match on, aren't we? Great. Um, I think that will be perfect. I think at the end of it, you know, like you said, you look around the, the audience you got cheering, you know, girl, you know, uh, females all there, and and you know, uh, deep down what that means to them uh, in, in yeah. terms of their culture and the way forward. So, this is what WWE have wanted to do since they've got there. They've wanted to put one of these on. It's been a, it's been a hard couple of years fighting for this. Of course, we had Renee turn up last time uh, as as an announcer, which was quite a big thing. Um, we know last time the match didn't happen. I think to get that first one done, um, I think that hopefully will be the initiative to to be able to do even more now uh, yeah. when they go back. Hopefully so. Hopefully yeah. so. And then we had the match that I was most looking forward to going into it, the kind of Team Hogan versus Team Flair. On Team Hogan, you had Roman Reigns, Rusev, Ricochet, Shorty G and Ali um, going up against uh, Team Flair, Randy Orton, King Corbin, Bobby Lashley, Shinsuke Nakamura and Drew McIntyre. And the reason why I was looking forward to this one, it's got a good uh, range of characters that I quite enjoy watching on a week-to-week basis. Uh, I've always been a massive fan of Ric Flair, so pretty much anything he does, I'll always uh, be a firm supporter of. Uh, but this was actually actually one of the better matches of the night as well some good action you had some good wrestlers in there that did perform well at the end of the night they were they were given plenty of time nearly 20 minutes um and um 
even uh, Shorty G in his uh, rather interesting costume uh, got uh, got quite a few licks in. So a good match, yeah. and at the end of it was Roman Reigns uh, pinning uh, pinning uh, who did he pin Randy Orton wasn't it after after the, after the spear. Um, so quite an eventful match, and uh, yeah, give give us your quick thoughts on this one then, John. Uh, I was I was actually expecting uh, Team Flair to win, so I was a bit surprised uh, when they did Team Hogan. I know that they they I know the way the night had been going and almost seemed too perfect, so that's how I was thinking about it. Um, but obviously, I didn't see the main event coming either, so that's probably why. But uh, I, I actually enjoyed the match. I I was a little bit worried about it because you get a five on five match just three weeks before Survivor Series, and you mm. think, blimey, you've got a try and sell that now and how are you going to do that after Hogan and Flair have got their own teams uh, so I was a bit worried that they were doing it so you know short distance between there and Survivor Series but um, overall a lot of good performances in there I think like a few of the guys stood out the, the ones you want to see like you say Shorty G uh, but also um, you know Randy again showing just how you know he, he's somebody you wonder uh, I know with all the speculation where his his stock is valued at the moment in WWE, but he you know he's always been in and around. Whether he can always be the guy to carry the company is another thing, um, and I think we all we all kind of know why. If you've seen Randy Orton's career in and out of the ring, there's yeah. always been that stop start. But um, he's just such a crisp worker. But what I will say uh, is Drew McIntyre. When you look at Drew um, standing next to Randy, and you think, blimey, this guy is huge because Randy Orton's a big guy, and then you oh, see yeah. him next to Drew, and you think, man, that. That guy's got presence. Why are they not doing anything with Drew McIntyre? You know, why have they not pushed that button yet? Um, and yeah, that 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 stood out for me a lot. And uh, I hope that uh, somebody somewhere, you know, is watching the same thing I am and thinking maybe next year, 2020, is 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 the year for for Drew now uh, in that main event level as far as the title goes. Yeah, I think if Paul Heyman uh, being in charge of Raw has anything to do with it, I think uh, he's definitely got a good uh, year ahead of him. And hopefully yeah. he'll have a, a good run through to WrestleMania anyway. But um, fingers crossed, you know, he, whether it's a world championship bout or maybe a you know, secondary title, I think he needs to have some gold around his waist just to kind of, um, he deserves it. You know, say he's got the look, he's got the presence, he's got the wrestling moves. I do fear that WWE might be concerned that he's a bit injury prone, though he has had a few uh, injuries over the last couple of years, that big one that kept him out uh, while he was NXT champion, of course, and he's had a couple of minor ones since returning to the main roster, so we shall see on that one. But uh, then we go to the main events, and this was a rematch uh, from their Hell in a Cell match. The Fiends, Bray Wyatt versus Seth Rollins. So Seth going in as the champion, uh, but uh, the Fiends coming out as the Universal Champion and uh, finally putting right all the wrongs from last month at Hell in a Cell. Uh, coincidentally, on uh, on Halloween, the 31st of October, you still had that uh, annoying red light, though, John, uh, which uh, kind of was a little bit distracting. Uh, the match uh, was kind of mostly fought on the outside of the ring and there were some shenanigans over by the stage with the Fiend crashing through some uh, some speakers. There were sparks, there was uh, pyros and flames and then uh, in kind of a, a nice bit of camera trickery, the Fiend kind of rises uh, up behind Seth, hits the uh, sister Abigail and uh, wins wins the match from there. So um, the ending was, was better than the rest of the match combined, in my opinion. Uh, but the Fiends, uh, say so we finally got what we were after from last mm-hmm. month. They finally put right their wrongs from the Hell in a Cell match but uh, give us your quick thoughts on this one and our new champion yeah I feel for I feel even more for the the, the fans that turned up to Hell in a Cell now um, because when they see this they'll think why didn't we get that kind of result or that yeah. ending um, but yeah I mean 
Uh, well, I, I mean, I might sound like I'm agreeing with you too much on this podcast, but like, I totally agree with you with that red light. That is a nightmare for me. Um, I just think WWE is one of those things because they can do it. They think they should always do it. You know, just because you can doesn't mean you have to. Um, so I don't mind it in the entrance and I don't mind it during between the matches. But I think in the match, it does take me out a little bit um, of, of the character and just watching it. Um, I know what they're trying to do. But um, for me, probably just my purest wrestling side coming out here. But I don't enjoy um, the visual of that. However, I was... I was pretty shocked that we had a new Universal Champion by the end of it. I'll say that much. I didn't see that coming. I thought the best case scenario would be um, the Fiend wins, but it'll be you know won't he won't go away with the title. So um, the fact they've done that, I think that's a huge statement right there. Uh, it does seem like you know Bray Wyatt. He's been around for so long now, and finally um, he's finally got it because you know he's. he's, he's he sort of turned into one of those characters that promised so much and delivered so yeah. little. Uh, and finally, he's now got, again, he's had to stop and start again and again and again. But finally, it seems like WWE have gone, here you go. You're having it now for a change. Seth Rollins losing it. I mean, I think, to be honest with you, I, I, I'm, I know a lot of people have been talking about Brave Wyatt, but I'm actually focusing on Seth Rollins and thinking, what does this say about him at the moment and where the company are valuing him? I do, it is surprising because you look where Brock's placed now and he's back there and you look where Seth Rollins is. Um, yeah, I just wonder, I, I'm more curious to, to know about Seth Rollins going forward. Um, but I'm yeah, I'm totally happy for Bray Wyatt himself. I think it's, it's finally you've seen a story and, and it's prevailed and uh, we'll see how it goes. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, no, SmackDown. Yeah, I'm, I'm more than uh, more than happy with the end result. But uh, I mean, on the Seth Rollins subjects, and I speak about this most weeks on the podcast, I do think he's due uh, a makeover. Um, I, I do think that with his uh, antics of late, certainly a hell in a cell and burning down the Firefly Funhouse, yeah. I do think he, he needs to be uh, turned uh, as a heel. I think he's getting quite a few boos out there, so they need to go with it. Um, and uh, I think it will be kind of a bit of a, uh, a, a, a bit of a refresh, a uh, bit of a reboot for Seth Rollins as well, which I think is what he most needs. And I think he's more of a uh, more dynamic on the mic as a heel as well. I do find him quite boring and quite whiny on the mic as a, as a baby face. Uh, so we shall see what happens. But uh, I, I, the one thing I don't want to see, John, is another match between these two. <laughs> yeah, I'll second that, I think, as well. <laughs> right. So uh, I, I think we'll agree that Crown Jewel, it had its moments, uh, certainly had its talking points. There were some historic moments, some uh, kind of shock moments as well. Uh, but at the end of it, like I say, we got a new Universal Champion and the champion that we wanted last month, but we got it uh, this month, um, uh, October 31st, that was. So so, uh, yeah, I think overall it was a, it was a good show. Um, but uh, it's disappointing that they had some of their matches um, kind of on, on Saudi soil instead of on the US. Like I say, I would have loved to have seen Kane versus Brock at uh, WrestleMania. But like I say, they could possibly go the Goldberg route and build it into a more prolonged storyline, possibly for them to face again next April. Um, but uh, let's have a little chat about AEW, shall we? Yep. So uh, AEW is into its uh, fifth week as Dynamite on TNT. So this week's episode opens with Cody and uh, Dustin getting out of a private jet in Charleston with uh, Cody and Tony Giovanni getting into a limo on their way to the arena telling Dustin that they will uh, see him later on 
Then we get a recap of how last week's show went off the air with uh, Pack and Moxley going to a time limit draw with the show coming to an end. Uh, Hangman Page coming out to challenge Pack at the end of last week's episode to a match at uh, Full Gear next Saturday. Um, now, much of the uh, post-match shenanigans took place when the show went off the air on TNT. Um, however, for international viewers uh, like myself watching on uh, Fight TV, uh, we did see what transpired afterwards. And uh, it, it does appear that we're going to be getting uh, Hangman Page versus Pack uh, there rematch at full gear as well next weekend uh then we get the the dynamite debut of sorts of uh, big cheese big uh, head honcho tony khan i uh, didn't see him but you heard him behind his office door as john moxley storms into his office and uh, after his match with pack from last week uh, with tony khan telling moxley that his match against kenny omega at full gear will be a non-sanctioned lights out match uh, Moxie didn't appear to react too well to Tony Khan's message with uh, Tony telling Mox that uh, it wouldn't count against his win-loss record and uh, will not be recorded in the history books as uh, the AEW boss couldn't sanction the violence between him and his opponent and Moxley warns Tony Khan that whatever happens to Kenny Omega at full gear will be on his hands. Uh, so John we're only three minutes into the show right. most of it is a recap from last week and things that we didn't see behind the scenes uh, we've already covered a lot of ground setting up this week's show but also setting up a lot from full gear. So uh, uh, I have to ask you, firstly, you know, your thoughts on those couple of opening segments, but also a character like John Moxley. Why would he care too much about a win-loss record in the first place? He comes yeah. across as a, his persona is built around being unhinged and beating people up. Um, I wouldn't have thought that a character like him would have given, uh, you know, uh, two thoughts or a second thought about a win-loss record. Um, you, you thought his kind of only frame of mind should be what he's going to do to Kenny Omega next Saturday. But to give us your thoughts on that opening video package and opening segment john sure uh well i loved the whole uh thing with the you know those guys coming in with tony Schiavone, the way it was shot because mm. obviously old nwa it's just a throwback to that and it's it's different you know and it makes them look like bigger stars you know at the end of the day if you're watching on tv you're the casual viewer it makes them look gigantic all of a sudden you know like it's a big company uh the john moxley thing oh I don't know if he cares the point of view. I have no idea. I don't know why they kept having to use the win-loss thing. I think if it would have been made maybe more sense if it was like, I just want to, you know, create anarchy and I don't want to be have any suspension after it or whatever. But why he they threw those lines in, I have no idea. Because again, AEW's always been about it's always, you know, the win-loss matters. So uh it, it seems a bit of a cheap way out if they're gonna just be like, well, we're unsanctioned, don't worry about it. It's not gonna matter if you lose. Um so yeah, I'm a little bit sort of iffy about that. And um, But what I did like is the fact that when John Moxley went in there, you didn't see Tony Khan, uh, and it was all sort of mic'd. Yeah. It reminded me of like um, like the Bret Hart, uh, the screw, the Montreal Scrooge of yeah. uh, Wrestling With Shadows. It reminded me of that moment. And I thought that was good. That was clever because how many times in WWE do, you, do they do those segments? And uh, da-da, there's a camera in the room. Uh, yeah. It just so happens to be inside. Um, so I liked the fact that it was shot from a more sort of sports angle um, as best as it can. Um, and so you, you're kind of only imagining what was happening in there and how, you know, the words are coming across. Um, so overall, I think it, it, it was a very, I think AEW for me, each week it comes on and they do these videos to set themselves up. I think they've done that perfectly well. I like it because it gives a more realistic feel um, and makes them different, uh, whereas opposed to NXT, I would say. 
Yeah, definitely. And one thing that you touched on earlier was the, the Cody and Tony Giovanni segment. And later on in the yeah. show, we saw them kind of chatting in the back of a limo. It just seemed very personable, very, very, uh, uh, you know, they've obviously known each other for decades. Tony Giovanni, obviously, having a, a long working relationship with the Rhodes family. And that was what a lot of the conversation was about. And I really enjoyed that. It kind of reminded me of, you know, some of the, uh, the journeys that Ric Flair would have from his home to the arena some of the conversations yeah. that they would have in the back of the limb and it really kind of took me back to that and I think they were going for that sort of vibe that sort of uh, look and that sort of feel and uh, it definitely worked for me I really loved that uh, kind of Tony Schiavone and Cody uh, kind of segment throughout the show but uh, going on to our first match of the night on Dynamite with Sammy Guevara versus Hangman Adam Page so uh, this was a, a match between two of the brightest talents in my opinion in all of pro wrestling right now with AEW really getting behind the Hangman as a future world champion in my opinion and Guevara clearly making his name as part of the inner circle alongside Jericho, um, uh, Santana Ortiz and Jake Hager, of course. Um, I really uh, think that AEW have done a really great job in presenting uh, new talent to us. That's one of the things that have really succeeded in with, with uh, Dynamite, and especially Guevara being a really standout talent uh, since Dynamite started about a month ago. Before then, we probably had heard about him. We'd probably seen him on uh, YouTube, wrestling independent matches, and we know that he was a former uh, lightweight champion over in AAA in Mexico. But we hadn't really seen a lot of Sammy Guevara, but they've really shone a light on Sammy. So, Give us your thoughts on, on Sammy Guevara in particular and what I said about kind of newcomers, new talent really being shone a light on, certainly since AEW Dynamite started. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I've heard a lot of people complain about the fact that AEW don't do a good job with that sometimes. Mm. But for me, I, I, I'm, I'm the opposite. I, I feel like, you know, MJF and uh, Hangman Page, all these talent, they're, they're doing right by them. And, and what's, what's amazing is no matter how good some of these guys are, they're not, they're not just throwing everything on them all at once. They're taking their time. Um, you know, they're yeah. building story arcs for a change. Whereas what tends to happen, as we was talking about WWE earlier, um, uh, they, they'll, they'll put a little bit of hype behind someone for a month and then we may not see them again for a little while. <laughs> they may yeah. just get put back in the shuffle. And I think AEW, what they're doing well here is they're presenting everybody as best as they possibly can individually um, with nice bits of grey in it because like for instance MJF I mean he's he's associated with Cody but you know he's, he's supposed to be a bad guy but then he's, he's associated and I like that I think it's much more realistic because you're seeing relationships as opposed to I'm a good guy and I'm a bad and you know what I mean so yeah, I definitely. think I, I like the fact that the the character they're playing it more and it, it seems more natural um, obviously one of the big things on our podcast that we always talk about with a lot of the new guys uh, on AEW is the fact that the freedom of the mic, I mean, it's just chalk and cheese. And uh, when you hear, you know, um, some of the new guys, especially from the inner circle, I mean, you look how Jericho put each one of those over. It was perfect. Um, nobody even had to say anything after that because Jericho just did such a great job. So now, after he's done that, we want to find out about these individually. And, um, you know, they can do it between bell to bell, but they can also have these little moments, um, you know, backstage as well, just with the association. So I think AEW at the moment, for me, uh, with all the new guys, are building, you know, a perfect arc. I mean, you look at Darby Allen as well, you know, somebody a lot of people didn't know anything about. I, I was fortunate enough to see him at a progress show earlier this year, and I didn't know that much about him. Um, but again, he's, he's another guy who is himself and he's got a deep rooted story. And I feel like AEW have done a great job of, of presenting him and his background um, perfectly well. I think if, if you put him anywhere else in another promotion, maybe they wouldn't have got it. 
they might have had to have a more gimmick for it, uh, and it, it may have get may have got lost. But I, I think AEW with with all the new talent so far. Um, has been so good at the moment for me. Mm, totally agree. Well, this was a fun match. Uh, went about eight minutes, and yeah. uh, Hangman Page won the match in the end uh, with his. Uh, I think he used his, his buckshot lariat uh, to, to win the match. Um, and uh, yeah, just so uh, Sammy Guevara. Looks like we were bigging him up earlier on, but unfortunately, he was on the losing end. That's the only kind of gripe with me is that uh, he's, he's a character that's that AEW appear to be getting behind. Um, he's part of the inner circle that are really over at the moment. Uh, but uh, maybe they could have given uh, a different opponent to uh, to hangman for him to defeat on this episode but nevertheless a bit more exposure for Sammy. He did get some licks in. He did get some good moves in. Uh, now I thought it was a pretty solid match um, but uh, what, what were your thoughts on this opener John? Yeah for me it was solid I think for a, a dynamite show. What's interesting about what you say about you know giving him a, a maybe a throwaway type thing. What, what's fascinating is AEW seem like they only want to put out you know name against name every week mm. um, and I think I think as wrestling fans, I don't know if that's just because, you know, the way we think somebody should be built because of the way we've been educated with WWE for so long. Yeah. Um, but in actual fact, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm staying optimistic that even though he's got the loss, he's got the L next to his name, that it still may prevail in the future, that that, that wasn't a bad thing. And we make it used to the whole win-loss thing more and more because... Kenny Omega, for instance, majorly established wrestler, and Jim Ross just calls it out every time. Oh, he hasn't had a good year. He hasn't had a good year. Now, there's no way on the other show they would ever call something like that out. Mm. They would only focus on the strength. So I like the fact that I'm sitting at home and the, the announcers are saying what I'm thinking. Um, and so even though he's lost that match, um, hopefully, I still think this, uh, I still think AEW know what they're doing. I think they, they've mapped out very well for a long time, um, at least one year for me. Mm, definitely. And after the match, uh, Hangman Page gets on the mic to acknowledge that things haven't been going so well for him lately. Uh, but at full gear, he's going to do some cowboy shit, he says, <laughs> and he's going to take Pac's head off. So that's match. I'm, one match I'm definitely looking forward yeah. to. And the, the full gear card is definitely stacking up. It's looking pretty good. Um, I do have my kind of question marks over some of the stipulations they're adding. Uh, some of it may be unnecessary, but we'll talk more about them a little bit later on. On to our second match. And it was uh, uh, Hikaru Shida versus uh, Shana. And uh, this was Shana's AEW debut. So this was another good match. And it was a, a win in the end for Hik Hikaru Shida. And uh, she uh, struck her running knee for the one, two, three. Um, and uh, I felt the match kind of got better as it went along. Um, but um, I was quite impressed with, with Shana. I know that she's done quite a bit of work on the stardom uh, over in Japan. Uh, but uh, give us your thoughts on this one. I mean, and, and I'm also interested to know, I mean, we've spoken a little bit about um, new people uh, getting the rub on AEW and really kind of them shining a, a positive light on a lot of newcomers. Uh, but uh, what's your thoughts on the women's division and how the women's division is developing so far on AEW uh, after this match? And John, I think uh, I think in general the women's division is a little bit it's a little bit behind, um, but they have only just started. So uh, you know you've got to give them a bit of time. But they definitely have the talent. What made me think they had the talent is when I saw that battle royal. Uh, one of the presets. I couldn't believe the amount of talent that they had. And I, I didn't know that they'd had all them signed. So um, they definitely have them there. It's just a case of, you know, time. Um, and again, AW Dynamite it is only two hours. They look like they're only given a certain slots at the moment for the females. Uh, yeah. But that's not to say they're not putting their eggs in one basket with it. I think they, they will get it to the top. I think they will focus on it, much like their tag teams. But I think it's going to have to take a little bit more time. I don't think they're at the level where the WWE are at currently. But I do think 
developing characters. Um, you know, there's no rush with this kind of stuff. If you want them to mean something more, you're going to have to take your time. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, they probably got to really decide who are, you know, top two, three female wrestlers. And, and from that point, then move forward. And so you develop a tier system. I don't think that that's something that's missing for me at the moment. There's no ladder. There's no tier system to where any individual is uh, currently. Yeah, I was a little bit uh, surprised on last week's episode that he threw away Britt Baker versus uh, Rihu for a championship match kind of on, on an episode of Dynamite. You would have thought that they've, that they've been building Britt Baker for a number of weeks or months now as kind of like their one of their uh, key players. Uh, women within the women's division uh, that will eventually become the world champion no doubt um, but you would have thought they would have kind of developed a storyline kind of building into a pay-per-view program possibly with Rihu or wherever the champion might be in the future I just thought that was a bit of a waste to be honest with you but uh, like you say I think they've got it right with the tag team they get it right with some of the newcomers and some of the, 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 the you know shiny new toys but uh, with the women's division just a few tweaks needed uh, but then we got speaking of the women's division we got a rather bizarre uh, kind of video package with Brandy Rhodes appearing to uh, almost be possessed as she appears to cut off chunks of her hair uh, with makeup running down her face as she screams into the camera. The commentary team draw comparisons uh, between Brandy and Awesome Kong, um, who she may be aligning herself with uh, in the future. I know that uh, she introduced Awesome Kong at Double or Nothing, of course, to be part of that uh, three-way match um, back in May. Um, and this may, might also explain her kind of out of character, out of nowhere attack of uh, Jamie Hayter from last week. Uh, and then we get Santana and Ortiz from the inner circle, of course, they attack Hall of Famers, the Rock and Roll Express on the stage as they were about to talk about their, their role in presenting the AEW tag team belts to the winners of the uh, tournament final later on that evening. Uh, Ricky and Robert get attacked with a, a loaded sock and uh, Ricky Ricky Morton also gets driven through part of the stage uh, near the entrance and the Young Bucks came out to make the save and to chase Santana and Ortiz off and to make the save. So uh, what were your thoughts on what we saw with, with Br the Brandy Rhodes video, first of all, and then what we saw with the, uh, the attack on the Rock and Roll Express. Uh, there seems to be a lot of these type of attacks where people are coming up from behind, whether it's before a match, during an interview, or uh, kind of after a match. Um, and we kind of saw a lot of it on NXT this week as well, where there's kind yeah. of a lot of people running down and making the attack. Um, give us your thoughts on, on kind of those two segments anyway. Uh, well, I think with Brandy, um, I mean, I'm kind of happy finally she, she's going to be doing something because I think the only problem with her is, much like Stephanie McMahon, you see her out of the ring and she's doing... You know, she's corporate and she's with Cody and then you see her character and it's very hard to distinguish what she is. And it's much like Stephanie and Triple H half the time. You don't know if they're heel, baby face, he's, he's a good guy on NXT, he's mm. not. He, so it gets confusing for, for the casual viewer that doesn't really know what we know. Um, so I hope with Brandy, because I know she said she's, she's going to pull away from Cody. I hope that now she's going to just focus on her character. And we may see that side of her more. And she may, I don't know, she might have to sort of sacrifice taking a step back in the media a little bit more or try and keep up with that somewhat uh, as best as she can. So, yeah, for me, that's a positive step for her. Um, and the segment um, that you referred to after with the, the Young Bucks making the sound, I mean, I thought that was perfectly done for a change, uh, the Rock and Roll Express like being at it. I mean, See, again, I don't want to keep drawing comparisons to WWE, but it's, sometimes it's just blatantly there and you think, why don't they do this? But anytime there's legends come back in WWE, normally the legends win. And, you know, it's someone like Gallows and Anderson who have to, you know, not be interested with it. But in this case, um, I thought it was totally the opposite and the right way round this time uh, for me. So, 
yeah, the legends, um, you know, putting over the younger guys made perfect sense. And, you know, Young Bucks coming out. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that match, actually. It's one of my my top matches I'm going to be looking forward to because, um, yeah, Ortiz and, I mean, they're, they're great. They've been around for so long now, but to see them up against um, uh, up against the Young Bucks is going to be really good. Yeah, that is going to be one of the highlights of the night. Can't wait for that one as well. Uh, and then we get kind of a, a fairly interesting match. Uh, well, interesting in terms of what uh, the good guys were wearing. But we had the best friends in Orange Cassidy versus uh, Alex Reynolds, John Silver and QT Marshall, who are kind of, uh, you could say they're part of uh, jobbers or enhancement. But uh, they, they certainly weren't uh, named uh, valued wrestlers on the AEW brand. Uh, this was a bit of a, a comedy crossover match. They were trying to promote Rick and Morty, the new series that's going out. Uh, on the American TV screens fairly soon. Um, I kind of got more into this match, I'll be honest with you, when Orange Cassidy came in. I don't know what it is about Orange Cassidy, but he's kind of growing on me. Uh, I know a lot of people probably groan when uh, uh, the, the name Orange Cassidy is mentioned. It's kind of like that uh, Joey Ryan uh, Marmite thing. Either you love him or you hate him. Um, but uh, the, the combination of Orange Cassidy and the best friends uh, did actually win the match in the end. Uh, but uh, where do you stand on a character like Orange Cassidy then, John? Is, is he uh, somebody you love or hate? And uh, uh, is he growing uh, on you? <laughs> no, if we're talking about Marma, I'm, I'm on the side of I'm not a massive fan. <laughs> uh, but um, my, my podcast host, he is. So we, we're divided there. But like you say, you either love him or you hate him. Um, I don't think he's terribly bad, but I just fall, you know, to relate to as a fan, um, I fall on the side of, of not, not getting behind too much. Yeah, yeah. He's an interesting character. I must admit, it takes a lot of balls to do some of the moves he does with his hands tucked in his pockets. That's one thing if I was a wrestler, I would not want to take the chance to do, to be honest with you. But uh, but uh, he certainly does a good job there. Uh, then we get the official contract signing uh, for the match between Chris Jericho and Cody uh, for the world title at Full Gear, of course, on November the 9th. Uh, Jericho calls this uh, the biggest match in pro wrestling of the year, the biggest match in AEW history and the biggest match of Cody's career. Uh, so Jericho tells Cody that uh, he's going to sign the contract uh, to teach Cody a lesson of what it's like to be a loser. And uh, Le Champion says that uh, he has poise, he has grace and class before extended his hand uh, for the challenger to shake. Um, but uh, just then we have uh, Sammy Guevara come back up uh, up on the video ball up on the Titan Tron um, and uh, we get a glimpse of uh, Jake Hager putting a beating in on uh, Cody's brother Dustin out in the parking lot with a Hager nailing Dustin uh, with a low blow, which seems to be his move of choice, especially after his uh, his uh, appearance at Bellator last Friday, uh, which is how he uh, disabled his opponent on uh, during that fight. Uh, he also drove Dustin's head into the side of the limo and then slammed Dustin's arm into the car, car door. Cody eventually came down to help out his brother. Uh, Jericho in the contract signing with was his uh, heelish uh, best self. I think he's the best heel there is in the business at the moment. Uh, loved everything he did. Uh, uh, Cody pretty much left all the mic work to, uh, to Jericho. I don't think Cody said a word on the mic during that segment. Um, I liked the added element of the kind of the beatdown of Dustin out in the parking lot. Added that sense of kind of realism, added a bit more fuel to the fire and a, a bit more heat to uh, the main events uh, for next Saturday's full gear. So give us your thoughts on this segment. I thought it was, it was different to the contract signings we might see on WWE where there's a table in the center of a ring yeah. and inevitably somebody gets uh, power bombed through it that didn't happen on this occasion the attack took place outside of the arena involving cody's brother um, but uh, quite an interesting segment yeah i mean like i said before it's all re-educating for us because mm. they're doing 
they're really trying to be different, uh, which mm. is good. Um, I like the fact the way it was presented, the fact that it was, you know, it wasn't in the ring, it was on the stage. Like that, that just the look of it made it seem different for me. Like I was more intrigued. The fact that he left Jericho to the mic was perfect because sometimes you can you can always put too much in it. You know, now I'm waiting for next week to sort of, you know, maybe we're here from Cody this time. And so, um, yeah, they kind of leave you wanting more, which is kind of how a lot of the shows used to be done uh, that you and I may more remember um, from a lot of the older days on on Monday nights. But um, that's a good sign. I mean, I enjoyed the whole, the whole thing. There wasn't too much in there that I was, I thought was too much or too little. I just, I thought they just got it right. And, um, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see where they go with Cody and Jericho. I'm pretty sure Jericho will retain uh, when we get there. But um, it, it's it's good that they're throwing. I mean, they're not holding back. They're putting matches on now that you know a lot of people may consider. Oh, they should save it. Are they going to have enough? Um, in my opinion, of course they're going to have enough. They've got this whole hungry, uh, hungry younger talent all ready to come up, but. The fact they're playing on the names first, I think, makes perfect sense. So to have Cody there and Jericho against each other is is uh, absolutely um, fine at the moment. Yeah, and I think the way they've built this main event has been absolutely spot on. Yeah. The, the other thing that came out this week was an added stipulation for that main event match, where it's uh, uh, being set to a 60-minute time limit. Yep. If it goes to a time limit draw, uh, there's going to be like a... Uh, a boxing style uh, vote between um, some legends that will be sat at ringside, names to be announced. Um, does that almost kind of set it up to to go the full distance, in which case is 60 minutes too long a match for a show like that? Or is it just there to swerve us and it'll probably only take 30 minutes to end and maybe there'll be sh- some shenanigans at ringside depending on who the judges are? But what's your thoughts on this added stipulation and how you think that might develop? Uh, well, like I said at the beginning, the NWA stuff, it's all coming back again. Mm, uh, it it's is. the same they used to do all the time. Uh, famously, obviously, Terry Funk, when he attacked uh, Flair at the time, um, that sort of rings a bell. So like you say, I'm interested to know who these judges are. Are they just going to be legends coming back doing it, or are they going to be somebody who's active? Um, I don't know if it's just if they're going to be clever and just use it as a decoy and have you as a viewer thinking about that all the time and then we may just get something out of nowhere um they could do that they could be really clever and kind of go quite a long time and then just you know when you think it's going to end it's all going to be on points they're going to throw a curveball and and someone's going to you know win the match um so there's lots there's quite a fascinating element to this for me Mm. I, I i don't think it's as plain sailing i don't think it's as as easy to say it'll just go to a draw and we're going to hear from judges. I, I just don't see him doing that. I don't see that being a spectacle to want to watch at the end of yeah. a, a pay-per-view. But I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, I think the perfect wrestling match is 25 to 30 minutes, yeah. uh, to be honest with you, as long as there's chemistry between the two opponents. We shall see. But, uh, I mean, we've seen a lot in the build-up to this match from the Inner Circle and from uh, Cody's uh, uh, DDP and MJF and Dustin. So uh, it's probably going to be some shenanigans at ringside. But I do like the characters of, uh, of Cody and Jericho, and I think they're going to have a good match. So I'm looking forward to that one for sure. Uh, the next match on the card was... Uh, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega versus Angelico, Jack Evans and Kip Sabian. So uh, all three of the, the elites come out in front of full fancy dress costume uh, with the Bucks coming out to their favourite Street Fighter characters. It's been a while since I played Street Fighter, so I wasn't sure of the, who they came out as. Was it Ken and somebody? But yeah. uh, uh, And then I've been assured by my uh, by my boys that um, uh, Omega came out as Sans from uh, Undertale, which is another computer game which I'm not familiar with at all. Uh, I'm showing my age here, definitely. Uh, there's plenty of high-flying action from Jack Evans and, and 
and Helico. They're going by the name as Hybrid 2 now. Um, I don't know if they've always had that name, but... Um, that's the first time I kind of caught wind of it on this episode, along with Kip Sabian. Um, now, Kip Sabian only suffered a dislocated finger on uh, an episode of AEW Dark uh, from a couple of weeks ago. So he's made a quick recovery, or maybe it wasn't as serious as, as it was first made out. But good to see him back in the ring, a really good uh, British talent making a name for himself in AEW. Uh, the match soon breaks down between both teams as Kenny Omega um, puts in uh, an inverted figure four from, uh, from sorry, he, he gets put into an inverted figure four from Angelico. There's a huge spear from Matt Jackson before the Bucks get a close near fall from their risky business double team. Um, Kip Sabian nails Matt Jackson with a reverse runner before Omega drops all three of his opponents with uh, snap dragon suplexes, uh, one for each of them. Uh, Kip Sabian attempts a somersault, somersault plancha over the top row, only to be caught by both of the Young Bucks in midair before being driven into the edge of the ring apron for his trouble. However, Kenny Omega brings an end to the match with his V trigger and one winged angel on Jack Evans for the win for the Elite. So, uh, a good match. Uh, you kind of know what you're going to get uh, when you've got the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega in the ring. I thought that I was really impressed with Kip Sabian in this match thought he really shone really enjoyed what Jack Evans had to offer the, my only kind of problem when you've got uh, kind of fast paced performers such as Angelico Jack Evans and the Young Bucks is that the story kind of loses its way a little bit and it's more about the action going 110 miles an hour um, and uh, yeah so I mean I, that's kind of my only kind of qualms when I see the Young Bucks going up against the Lucha Brothers is it's just kind of high spot after high spot and not much selling um, but I did enjoy this match like I say more for the, the younger talent the Kip Sabians and the Jack Evans uh, of the world uh, although they're on the losing end but uh, I'd love to know your thoughts on this one John. Yeah, they, uh, AEW are pretty good at the moment of putting these, you know, these uh, six-man tag matches on, and and you know, it, you know what you're going to get in the ring is going to be quality. I, I think for me, yeah, there's not an, enough story, but then I think if you want to drag that viewer who's maybe not wrestling prone, um, I think this is what those people are going to enjoy the most um, in a lot of ways because it is fast-paced, and it, you know, even though I'm a bit of an old-school fan, I realize that if you're a new viewer you need that fast pace you need to get people interested um and and this is one of the ways they can do it um one one thing um you, you meant you, you know you meant about rick and malty and stuff like that they've got in the show what i tend to see aw doing a lot is their demographic is the audience i feel that wwe have lost out on it's yeah, you know, they've been very meticulous about where they're positioning their venues next to universities colleges they're trying to get you know, uh, 18 to, you know, 28 year olds back into it again. Um, and, and that's a market that you don't often see uh, that much in wrestling anymore. You obviously very small children and, uh, you know, people like us that are still being fans and that's it. Um, but, you know, you, it's very hard to find that demographic. And I think AEW, by putting these matches on, although for us, we're thinking there's no story here with it. I think it does certainly tailor towards that viewer who's just going to be, you know, channel surfing and, and just come on TNT to see this because uh, it may, that may be their fix um, for them. Yeah, you make some good points. So uh, after the match over, the action didn't stop there. The Young Bucks uh, start to celebrate around ringside with the fans when uh, Matt and Nick, they get pulled over the guard railings by a couple of fans in Rick and Morty uh, masks uh, who turn out to be Santana and Ortiz who put in a bit of a beating on the Bucks uh, before the former LAX retreat to the back as Omega comes to the rescue. Um, so that was uh, a, a bit more uh, heat to their match that you're very much looking forward to for full gear next week. Uh, before the main event, we get John Moxley in the ring with a live mic. 
uh, to talk about his lights out unsanctioned match against Kenny Omega, uh, the pay-per-view, and how his match will not count in the record books and uh, uh, will be uh, counted as if it never even happened. He said Moxley goes on a bit of a tirade against the bosses, against the suits of AEW, and he tells the fans that uh, he's the baddest and sickest son of a bitch in the game. Uh, Moxley tells us that on November the 9th, he's going to beat, Co- uh, beat Kenny Omega to within an inch of his life, and Kenny Omega's blood will be on AEW's hands. So, uh, I'd say he's always been a good promo. Our uh, Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, whatever you want to call him. Um, and uh, he certainly turned up the notch a little bit here since he's uh, been on AEW. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought this this promo delivered. Uh, what, what, what were your thoughts on this kind of promo from John Moxley here, John? Yeah, I've got to say, first and foremost, Dean Ambrose uh, for me in WWE, I was not a huge fan of these. Um, I just sort of lost touch with the character he was trying to do. And you know, wearing the T-shirts with, you know, lunatic fringe on it. I just thought, where are they going with this? We, you know, if you are one, you are one. You don't need a T-shirt to, to yeah. market it more. So uh, since he's been away, it, it sort of rejuvenated my, you know, belief into the John Moxley character that he was before. Uh, I liked this. I know a lot of people said this was the best promo of, the, you know, the entire week. Some people saying the best of the year. Um, I, I wouldn't, I'm not sure I'd go that far, but... Um, Certainly, we haven't heard from John Moxley with a live mic out there yet. I think this might have been the first time in, in the ring. So it was kind of cool that it's taken all this time to get to this stage, which, again, slow burning for AEW. They're not just pushing everything out in front of us all at once. I quite liked it. Um, yeah, it was nice to see him just being himself. You could tell that. There's no waiting, pacing, you know, taking breaths between each speech. It was just, he was talking and, uh, yeah, much more relatable. Um, and, you know, I'm he looks like so much more of a bigger star in AEW than he ever did in WWE, in my opinion, even with the title. Uh, he just looks like a huge star there. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see where he goes again next week and what they've got him doing. Mm, definitely looking forward to that one and then we head into our main event now of course this is the final of the tag team tournament to crown the first ever AEW tag team champions the tournament's been going on for about three weeks now uh, three or four weeks uh, we, we get uh, fire and pyro for the Lucha Brothers entrance uh, no such fireworks for SCU however we do get the big match introductions from Justin Roberts uh, John, I don't know about you, but this, this wasn't the kind of the final that many of us were predicting. I think a lot of us were looking forward to maybe a Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers final. Uh, however, after the Young Bucks surprisingly went out to private party in that really good first round match a few weeks ago, um, and then and then we kind of saw the kind of the pre-match beatdown from Ray Phoenix and Pentagon on SU before SU's first round match. It kind of did build a nice story, so that by the time we got to the final and the two kind of uh, opponents standed across the ring for one another you did have that ready built storyline going into the final which kind of added that extra element of drama but uh, I mean going into it before the tournament started you know who were your picks I mean who were your favourites to go all the way um, well I was looking at Pentagon as well I, I, I certainly looked at those two but also you know something the Young Bucks and Cody have been really good at is they've shown that they're willing to put over the other guys they're not there to sort of make themselves stand out and look the ultimate best Um and I think they made that statement in the rounds leading up to this when the Young Bucks went out early, um, that that was going to be the case. So I think from there, I've kind of thought to myself, it's they're going to throw something unpredictable at us. Um, I've enjoyed it, to be honest with you, because yeah. um, it's fresh and they ha- they've got a lot of good tag teams. I mean, they are doing so well with them. 
that um, and there's a lot of matches I'd like to see down the road. So um, the tournament as a whole has been um, really good for me. I mean, refreshing. I've, I haven't had a problem. I know that everybody did want to see certain names by the end of it, but I think, again, um, we're all, and I keep harping on about, about this, but I think we're all sort of being re-educated a little bit to the new pro wrestling that they're, they're willing to present to us here. And I think we'll be more used to it as we go along. But, um, yeah, I, I thought the whole thing was good. I think that, you know, the, the ending of it all, um, for me, it's, it's a fine result. I don't really have too many. I, I think it puts somebody else in the limelight now as well um, because you've got a lot of talent in the tag team division at the moment um, that they can go with. I, I certainly see, I wouldn't be surprised if AEW put on a pay-per-view where there is a tag team title match uh, main event, um, because you know they they definitely can do it. They've they've got so much talent. Yeah, and this is this is a comment that I've made on the on the Wrestling with John's Facebook group so many times that AEW the tag team division in AEW is is absolutely stacked, and they you know it's just uh, the highlight of the week most weeks to be honest with you. And they don't just have you know one tag team match day. I think out of the average of five or six matches per show, there's easily two or three matches of those are tag team matches, as we found out again this week. Um, So they really put in our a lot of emphasis on tag team wrestling, and it's been absolutely top notch so far. However. Uh, SCU came out the winners uh, on this yeah. match and uh, they did beat the Lucha Brothers in a really entertaining match uh, I was half expecting Christopher Daniels to come down and get a little bit of revenge on the beatdown he had uh, prior to the first round encounter a few weeks back uh, but uh, to a lot of people surprise SCU SCU did beat the Lucha Brothers and are the first AEW tag team champions uh, and it'll be interesting I've kind of uh, got my thoughts that these two might have a rematch at full gear it'll be strange not to have the tag team titles defended on full gear I don't think any tag team titles match has been announced yet but uh, with um, former LAX Santana and Ortiz going up against the Young Bucks uh, I wouldn't be surprised if these two teams face each other again uh, next Saturday but uh, give us your thoughts on this on this uh, final of the tag team tournament and John I thought it was a pretty good match yeah, uh, it, it, it had a lot of drama to it. I thought the match really picked up when Scorpio Sky got in there. Uh, Kazarian was carrying a lot of the uh, lot of the match for his team and getting beat down. Uh, with uh, the Lucha Brothers kind of dominating a lot of the match, keeping Kazarian in their half of the ring and, and kind of performing really well as a tag team as they do. Um, and uh, yeah, like I say, you had your high spots there, you had your drama, you had your big moves. Um, but uh, yeah, Scorpio Sky won the match in the end for his team. Um, and uh, yeah, give us your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, overall, I thought the match was was excellent. The one thing I've liked about all the tag matches is they're using logic again. Mm. Uh, it's not the same formula. Wait for the hot tag and you wait for the crowd to build like we see so much of, and it gets a little bit dull. The reason we're all enjoying the tag matches is because they're being quite innovative with their stuff. They're, they're trying new things. Uh, and a lot of these teams as well, it's not as if they've just put them together. They've been working with each other for a long time. Um, so you can imagine that they've got a little bit more creative freedom backstage to come up with some crazy ideas. Um, Scorpio Sky, I've got to say, I've been really impressed with him just solo as well. I mean, he looks like somebody who, if, if you look at any tag teams at the minute, I'd say he's somebody that could branch off on his own. And, yeah. uh, you know, certainly in AEW could have a, a very good singles career as well. Um, but the match itself was, was excellent. Like I say, lots of logic in it as well. Like keep him isolated, do these things. So often you sit there and you think you you spent all that time on one body part and now you're just going to let him you know take over on a, a different one altogether. Like what's the, what's the point of the whole thing? Um, but yeah, the tag teams. One of the the key things I've seen with all these matches and the feedback we got on our podcast is that the selling is just so different from what they've seen in other various tag matches, and I think it just makes more sense 
when you're watching it. Um, so, yeah, for me, um, I don't have a problem at all with the winners. I think they're going to be great tag team champions. I hope that they, you know, they, they leave it on them for a little bit, you know, um, let them, you know, develop as champions as well. Um, you know, let them be the guys to really try and beat and have all these up and coming teams, you know, um, fight for their place against them. Uh, because, uh, yeah, they could pretty much cement uh, their legacy here, I would imagine, with uh, the first, the first ever. Yeah, definitely. And like I say, I think more than anything, I'm, I'm really stoked about uh, how the tag team division, AEW, uh, are shaping up. I'm pleased that SCU are the first ever tag team champions, and I'm yeah. interested to see what happens going forward. Uh, let's have a look at this week's NXT then, John. So this was another yeah. stacked show. We've been used to some uh, amazing shows from NXT, um, well, f- forever and a day, really. But certainly since they've gone to two hours on the USA Network, they haven't disappointed. Last week's show was probably one of the best wrestling shows I've seen in a long, long time on my TV screen. But uh, this show opened with uh, uh, American recording artist Poppy. I'm not too familiar with her st- stuff, but she sang two songs, uh, I Disagree and Scary Mask. And Scary Mask was, of course, featured in a bit of an EO Shirai video package from a few weeks ago. And uh, it also uh, gave us the entry of um, it, it led Io Shirai out to her match and the opening match was a bit of a grudge match. Io Shirai versus former friend Candice LeRae. Now, of course, uh, Io Shirai turned her back on Candice LeRae uh, several weeks ago. And uh, they had a, a really, really good match at TakeOver Toronto uh, back in August. And I think that was possibly the best match on the card and certainly one of the best women's matches we've seen in a long time uh, between those two. It was absolutely outstanding. So this match uh, was pretty good as well, with Io and Candice taking turns on uh, nailing a big dive through the ropes uh, to start the match off uh, on one another there. There was a, a long blow from the second turnbuckle uh, from, uh, onto Candice LeRae from Io Shirai. We even get uh, a bloody nose on Candice and uh, she fires back with, uh, with a tornado DVT for a two count. Uh, Io Shirai misses her trademark moonsault with LeRae bringing up her, her, her knees uh, to prevent the move. Uh, Candice connects with a butterfly face buster uh, very similar to uh, uh, Beth Phoenix's uh, finishing move. I don't quite know how to describe the move that Candice used. Uh, but uh, then she tries to hit a Cabrana moonsault, uh, but she landed heavily on a discarded steel chair that was brought into the ring from earlier on in the match. And uh, Io Shirai took advantage of the situation, hooks the legs and uh, gets the one, two, three. So uh, a, a good match. I don't think it was as good as their match in Toronto. I uh, wasn't as crisp as their match in Toronto in August, uh, but uh, a good show opener. Um, we then get a post-match appearance from Rhea Ripley, who prevented a further beatdown from uh, from uh, Candice uh, by uh, Io Shirai. So uh, give us your thoughts on this one. Like I say, two excellent members of the women's roster. And much like the tag division in AEW, I think the NXT pretty much have it nailed with the women's division, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I'd agree with you there. I mean, they... They, they've been doing it for years and years as well. It's almost like they, you know, you're wondering how they're doing it because they, they lose certain talent to the WWE quote-unquote old main roster uh, and you wonder how they, they're going to get by it. But yeah, uh, another great solid, I only saw highlights of this match, but from what I saw it was just like, you know, extremely good. All, all the feedback we got was, was excellent. So um, Again, you know, I just, I have my reservations. I'm, I'm kind of, uh, the only thing I'm worried about is, you know, are they, with, with everything going on against AEW, are they still going to put as much stock into it um, and, and, you know, not try and just sort of, um, I guess, always respond to what the competition are doing, which I think they, they tended to do at the, the early, the, at least the first two NXT shows up against uh, Dynamite were doing. Yeah. I thought a lot of it was in reaction 
Um, but finally, I felt like last week was definitely NXT's best one. And this week seems to be going, they're just sticking to what they know, not yeah. worrying too much about what AEW are doing, which is perfect really for us and, and them as well in the performance. So, yeah, it was a, I think overall it's a good match. I mean, from what I saw, uh, you know, they blew it out of the park. So. Definitely. Yeah. And then we had a, a recap of Finn Balor's heel turn from last week, yeah. uh, where Finn said that uh, Raw and SmackDown was like Hollywood uh, with all the smoke, mirrors, and lights. Uh, but NXT was like Broadway where there's nowhere to hide and that the Prince was back. Uh, Finn was also live on NXT this week to explain his actions uh, following his attack on Johnny Gargano. And Finn told the fans that uh, two months ago he was laying down for the hottest thing in the business just because he got a new mask, referring to uh, Bray Wyatt the Fiend, I'm sure there. Uh, Finn said that uh, he's just taken his mask off and now he's the hottest thing in the business. Finn addresses Johnny Gargano and called him uh, the heart of NXT. Finn tells Johnny that if he wants to go again, he'll send him right back to the hospital and he will no longer be called Johnny Gargano or Johnny Wrestling. Instead, he'll be called Johnny Watches Wrestling uh, the way it was supposed to be. So, so some uh, pretty, you know, uh, hard words there, harsh words there from uh, Finn Balor. He's definitely embracing his heel side, bringing back uh, the, the kind of Prince uh, Devitt character of sorts from his New Japan days. Um, I thought it was a really good promo, a lot of passion there, a lot of fire um, and uh, a lot of character, which was a lot more than he showed when he was uh, on Raw or SmackDown. But what were your thoughts on this promo from Finn? Yeah, much better. And I think it's something that me and my podcast host, uh, Matt, would, would agree with that. You know, Finn Balor towards the end, you know, was coming out, doing the whole thing with a collar, probably being told to smile too much. Um, yeah, I was getting that was getting so cheesy. I'm, I'm so happy he's gone back. I, I thought the term was excellently done. I mean, first of all, like last the week before, uh, yeah. brilliantly done um, the way they, they shot it and everything. Perfect. And yeah, I do feel like he's going to get a new lease of life um, with NXT. I just he seems so much happier on NXT. Yeah, isn't he? it's like I he's agree. got a new le- new lease of life and uh, like, like he's been reborn again. Uh, like he's um, happy, he's found his smile. But uh, yeah. no, not 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 as smiley as he was on the main roster. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. <laughs> I think it's, it's interesting as well because I don't think we've seen Finn Balor as a heel in the entire WWE yet. So this is this is great stuff for that department as well. So it's a real nice fresh change for him uh going forward and it's a good promo. Mm, definitely. Uh, then our next match was Shane Thorne uh, versus fellow uh, Aussie Bronson Reed. So uh, in this match, Shane Thorne was quick out the gate on this one, but Reed soon came back, almost planting Thorne through the canvas with a huge scent on. Uh, there was a long series of chops traded between these two, with Thorne eventually getting a close near fall from a massive back suplex on his huge opponent. Uh, Bronson even gets a close near fall of his own from a, a dead eye uh, that even Adam Page, I'm sure, would be proud of. Both wrestlers end up on the top turnbuckle where Thorne gets, uh, uh, he goes for a hurricane runner on his bigger opponent only to be shoved down to the canvas by Reed uh, before the big man, big man comes crashing down onto his opponent with a huge frog splash for the pinfall victory. So uh, a good good win there for Bronson Reed. We then get a quick interview with Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox backstage ahead of their uh, tag team championship match against the Kabuki Warriors, which is our next match. Um, and uh, quite a bit has changed for Kairi Sane and Asuka kind of coming back to NXT for this one-off appearance. So it may not be a one-off appearance, but it's good to see them back. And the fans certainly enjoyed seeing them back at full sale. Uh, but under different circumstances, this time they're not the happy-go-lucky, smiley baby faces. John uh, kind of uh, dastardly heels. You've got Asuka with her green mist and uh, uh, Kairi Sane. She's not throwing gold coins into the into the crowd anymore. She's um, definitely looking uh, badass. So uh, what's yeah. your thoughts on their, on their heel turn? And uh, although they got a 
good reception. They weren't playing up to it here. Yeah, so it's the hard thing, isn't it, with WWE in the heel? Because like I said about Finn Balor earlier, the problem is with half the time being a heel now is as soon as they turn heel, you suddenly start liking them more. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like they should stay the same. Um, I'm sure if Finn Balor was still doing the smiling stuff with the collars, after a time that would that would get on my nerves more. Uh, but now they, I think it's hard because heels now tend to be cool and people, you know, they sell merchandise still. Uh, so there's always those little things that never used to happen back in the day. You'd only have the baby face selling the merch. Uh, but yeah, to see these two, I mean, it, it's again, much like Finn Balor, it gives them a fresh um, start, I think. I mean, I think on NXT they're going to be fine because the, the, they, the pacing is just right there. I think if they was on the main roster now, I don't, I don't know where they'd end up, to be honest with you. But I think... How many how many guys and girls on that main roster probably wish that they were still in NXT? What's going on right now? Oh, all uh, of them. They would have <laughs> not been called up. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. There's not many uh, that, that can't say no. So, um, yeah, I think I think to be in NXT right now for anybody at uh, any stage is, is a good time. Um, with the freedom that they're going to have. Yeah, and we spoke earlier about Cesaro losing to uh, Mansoor on the, the Saudi card on Thursday, and I think Cesaro would be one easy pick yeah. to go back down or go back onto the NXT roster. I think that he'd absolutely revel in it. And I uh, really enjoyed his kind of cameo appearance at uh, TakeOver Cardiff against Ilya Dragunov. I think he really enjoyed that as well. So he probably wouldn't mind going uh, down to full sale or maybe the more occasional appearance on NXT UK. I think that's certainly more of a, a, an environment where he can flourish and uh, be more appreciated. Um, but uh, yeah, like you say, I, I do like the interactions we've been seeing between the Kabuki Warriors and say Becky Lynch on Raw. I think that's been fun recently. Um, it'd be interesting to see if that develops. Uh, but uh, I mean, in this match, it was, it was another good match. The Kabuki Warriors did end up winning the match and retaining their championships. Um, and I think that there was even some green mist involved as well, uh, which led to the pinfall victory, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but uh, then uh, directly after the match, uh, the, the horsewomen, Shayna Baszler, Jessamyn Duke and Marina Shafir, they come down. They circle the ring uh, with, with the odds stacked firmly against Tiga Knox and Dakota Kai. Um, and uh, Rhea Ripley then uh, comes down, makes her a timely entrance. However, she is attacked from behind by Io Shirai on the rampway. Uh, Bianca Belair and Candice LeRae then make their presence known shortly afterwards. We then get a brief stare down between Baszler and Ripley, almost certainly setting up a bit of a championship match between those two soon, I'm sure. And then William Regal, he's kind of had enough of it, gets up uh, onto his, his podium somewhere in the rafters, shouts down at the women and announces the first ever women's war games match uh, between what it looks like the, the horsewomen, Shayna, certainly um, uh, Jasmine Duke, Marini Shafir, with the addition of possibly uh, Bianca Belair and uh, Io Shirai going up against Rhea Ripley, LeRae, Tika Knox and Dakota Kai being four of the possible five that might be involved in that team. So uh, that would take place at TakeOver War Games on the 23rd of November. Uh, what's your thoughts on the, on the championship match? You obviously had Tika Knox, Dakota Kai, both of them coming off of fairly serious uh, leg and knee injuries, going up against uh, the, the newly formed heels, the Kabuki Warriors, um, and uh, the kind of the, the, the aftermath as well, John. Yeah, I mean, again, I think it sets up nicely for War Games, I think. Uh, I think finally, like I said, NXT the last couple of weeks has started to deliver what they are good at because um, I did feel like they were just reacting. Um, but yeah, you, you've got some great talent in, in all this as well. And I think, I mean, I'm looking forward to War Games. Um, I'm hoping, like, I'm hoping that they don't, 
this isn't going to be one of those times where all the pressure is on, you know, this talent alone, that there is going to be other matches to support it because I think they'll need it. But um, NXT, you know, all the takeovers, they always surprise me of how good they can be. Like, so you never doubt them, no matter what the star range is. But um, yeah, and then they only need really four or five matches to make a really solid uh, show that you want to see. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I think, you know, in terms of the storyline and everything, I mean, I think it's worked out very, very well. And like I say, the pacing of it's nice. Um, and yeah, I'm interested now to see, you know, at War Games what where this goes. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. it looks like uh, we're going to have the first ever women's War Games match. Yeah. Uh, some really good talent in there. Interesting what you say. If they, I mean, we might kind of talk about it now and later on, but they could possibly be having a second War Games match involving the, the men of NXT, uh, which between those two matches takes up an awful lot of talent. I know that they've got quite a deep pool of talent on NXT, but... They only really highlight a handful at a time, especially on their two-week, uh, two-hour episode of uh, NXT each week. So, be interesting to see, you know, what other matches might take place on that show. I'm sure all will become clear very, very soon. Um, but uh, yeah, looking forward to that match and possibly a men's War Games match as well. Speaking of two really exciting young talents, Tyler Bate uh, took on Cameron Grimes in the next match. So this was a really fun match, in my opinion, between another two really exciting uh, young talents. Uh, we spoke earlier about Sammy Guevara and various others on AEW who are definitely worth mentioning. You know, these two are definitely worth mentioning in that conversation of being kind of really good uh, wrestlers for the future. They're both in their early 20s. Uh, we get a close near fall early on in this match uh, for uh, Bates when he hits a Hurricane Rana. Uh, Grimes gets a close near fall of his own from a, a twisting crossbody power slam, he calls it the collision course. Uh, I think that's possibly the best that I can describe it, to be honest with you. It's, quite, it's, quite, it's always like a, uh, a crossbody mixed with a Spanish yeah. fly, to be honest with you. Uh, Grimes then gets bundled to the outside, allowing Bates to connect with a tope over the top rope. Uh, just then we see Killian Dane appear on the outside, who causes a bit of a distraction, allowing Cameron Grimes to nail his uh, Cayman uh, running double stomp for the win and after the match uh, Killian, Day lay, Killian Dane lays in a brutal attack on Tyler Bates on the outside warning Bates to tell his friend Pete Dunn uh, that he has unfinished business so once again two really young exciting uh, fresh talents on the NXT roster in Cameron Grimes and Tyler Bates uh, they had an excellent match I don't think the two of them you put them in the same ring I don't think they're capable of having a bad match if I'm honest with you then you've got the inclusion of Killian Dane at the end of it getting involved uh, with uh, another member of British Strong Style sending out a, a, a harsh warning to Pete Dunn who uh, he's had his interactions with over recent weeks give us your thoughts on this little segment here then buddy yeah they're I mean all three of them are like remarkable Killian Dane Tyler Bate I mean you like you say I mean Tyler Bate I'm just so happy he's there and he's getting that exposure there because I think mean, you know before I mean imagine the Tyler Bate being on a WWE roster what you know Vince and all the rest of it just would have fought but having this NXT platform with the UK stuff is just gone strength to strength for him. He's so young. That's the thing about Tyler Bates. You forget how old this guy is. Um, you know, I mean, I remember watching him in 2015, and I, I remember watching Tyler Bate when he was about 16 years old. Yeah, and I think by then he'd probably already been wrestling in a few years, but uh, right. yeah, I think he's what 22 now, so yeah. I mean, that's yeah, crazy. Cra crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for WWE, you think guys young are like starting their 30s, early 30s, that's young WWE to come up, but here you've got somebody who's been wrestling for so long, so experienced and knowledgeable as well. So um yeah i mean i'm just looking forward to seeing more exposure for these guys i mean hopefully this leads into sort of uh, an interwinding sort of feud as well 
Um, I'd like to see now Tyler Bate do more, maybe have that kind of crazy rival um, or storyline where he can enhance his character a little bit more and develop um, a little bit more. I think that's the only thing that's missing, but I think, you know, you look at him, I mean, the sky's the limit with him. I still think that. Um, and I think with NXT where it is now, it's perfect timing, absolutely perfect timing. Yeah, definitely. It's just kind of mind-blowing to think mm. how good he is now and how good yeah. he might be in five years' time. Mm. Um, but I just don't they handle him well. Uh, I know that as long as he's under kind of, you know, the reins of Triple H, as long as Triple yeah. H has got one eye on him, I'm sure he'll do yeah, well. But uh, sure. yes, yeah, so let's keep our fingers crossed there. And then we're on to our main event of this week's NXT. Uh, and it was a non-title match uh, against the current NXT Tag Team Champions, the Undisputed Era, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, against Matt Riddle and uh, Keith Lee. Uh, so uh, th- this was only announced on the day of the show itself, or certainly only caught wind of it on the Wednesday. Um, and uh, it was announced that it was a non-title match just ahead of the match. Uh, so I'm, I'm really, really happy. I don't know about you, John, but to see a lot more of Keith Lee on our TV screens. Yeah. I mean, certainly since the two-hour NXT's been on our on our TV screens, we've seen a lot more of him. We've seen him on a you know, a couple of blockbuster matches against Dominic Dijakovic and uh, that uh, three-way match uh, adding Roddy into the mix last week was off the charts, superb. And um, before when they had their one-hour format, you wouldn't really see a lot of Keith Lee. I know that he had a little bit of time on the shelf uh, on, the, on the injury list, same for Dijakovic, but uh, he's absolutely blown out of the park. He's really delivered. We'll talk a bit about SmackDown later where he also makes an appearance. Um, but uh, yeah, you have to be impressed with how they're using Keith Lee more uh, since they've gone to two hours, John. Yeah, Keith Lee. Um, I mean, I saw him at Progress recently as well. Uh, in the flesh, and he's a big guy. I mean, you don't realise how <laughs> agile he is as well. I mean, he's built. Um, and Matt Riddle as well. I mean, I'm a huge Matt Riddle fan. Um, everybody knows that listening to my podcast. I put him over so much. But um, I think that I love the pair of them together. I think it's really good. Um, I think they complement each other. And, uh, you know, we. I think, to, I think Keith Lee, I mean, I don't know if he was to get to Raw or SmackDown, whether he just would have a great start for six months and then he falls into the whole trap of Rusev and all those other guys that have come in as big guys, strong, and yeah. then just get, you know, moulded into anything else. Because I think he's more than that. Um, I hope that he stays on NXT a lot longer now because of what's happened and, uh, you know, they just promote him more on their own brand. Um, but, yeah, I, I hope as well that they stay as a tag team a bit longer. I, I would love to see them in more of a run with the, the belts and stuff and go up against uh, for, for the titles. But, yeah, it's good to see that exposure um, for him. I, I, I'm very, very impressed with him. I'm interested to see, though, knowing the way the WWE uh, machine works, Keith Lee is someone they'll probably already looked at, penciled in as a, a potential guy to go to a Raw or a SmackDown. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and a guy of his size and, uh, uh, you know, promo ability and athletic ability as well. Uh, I think that they could really do a lot with him uh, on either Raw or SmackDown. However, we've got to stop, you know, looking at Raw and SmackDown as a promotion because yep. NXT, yep. Uh, you know, uh, they, they're on uh, mainstream TV over in the yeah. States on the USA Network. So, uh, yeah, keep them on NXT now. I'm not too worried. As long as they get yeah. paid paid properly for, for their efforts uh, compared to what they might have got with a developmental contract or just... Mm-hmm having signed with uh, the brand 
uh, that's what's important. But uh, this match uh, really picks up when Keith Lee gets a hot tag, uh, ploughing through both Fish and O'Reilly as if they weren't even there. Lee even, uh, he unfortunately misses uh, Moonsault before Fish drops uh, uh, the massive Lee with a Samoan drop. Uh, that was a feat of strength there, definitely, uh, for Bobby Fish. Riddle gets tagged in. Uh, and he hits a series of Brotons on both members of uh, UE and a couple of penalty kicks. Uh, that was until the NXT champion Adam Cole and Roddy Strong uh, comes down to distract the, the King of Bros, Matt Riddle. Uh, Riddle wants none of it, connects with a brilliant twist in Moonsault from the second rope onto all four members of an undisputed era on the outside. Keith Lee gets in on the act with a massive uh, kind of run around the ring and a pounce, uh, sending uh, Adam Cole crashing into Bobby Strong on the uh, Roderick Strong on the outside. However, with all of the shenanigans going on on the outside, uh, on the inside of the ring, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly uh, they're able to strike with their high-low double team finisher on uh, on Riddle for the pinfall victory. Just then, Tommaso Ciampa comes out to prevent uh, a further post-match beatdown of both Lee and uh, Matt Riddle. The show goes off the air with Keith Lee launching O'Reilly out of the ring over the top rope with uh, Tommaso Ciampa looking down at the NXT Championship in the corner of the ring and tells Goldie that uh, it's going to have to wait, that Goldie is going to have to wait because daddy is going to war. Uh, so uh, that was a hell of a match, a hell of a main event, a hell of a way to close the show. I seem to kind of copy and paste that one line every single week when I talk yeah. about NXT because it always is a hell of a match, a hell of a main event and a hell of a way to close the show. Um, but uh, give us your thoughts on this one, the, the match, the outcome of the match and the shenanigans afterwards, John. Yeah, I really enjoyed the whole the whole part of it. I mean, again, I think it's just two weeks going now. I've enjoyed NXT uh, a little bit more than I have done the first two weeks. So this, the climax of it and everything else uh, made me much more reminiscent of what I'm used to with NXT, the way they pre- it was presented. Um, again, I just, I'm hopeful that there's going to be more of the same next week. I want them to continue with it and leading up to the pay-per-view as well, like um, for War Games and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, very good outing for me. All of them involved, uh, you know, no problems for me. I, um, I'm interested to know from your point of view what you preferred more, AEW or uh, NXT? Wow. That, that, I mean, that's a question that I normally ask my guests, but putting me on the spot. Yeah. It's an interesting one. Now that we've kind of spoken about it and recapped and I've got your opinion, um, I, 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 I did enjoy AEW. Now, last week, uh, my kind of show of the week was definitely NXT and I think that uh, um, hands down I think that had everything from the you know the wrestling the angles uh, the, the the heel turn the main event the, the triple threat for the North American Championship it had everything so but um, this week it's a tough one I, I think with everything that we've spoken about through to the, the limo ride with Cody and Tony Schiavone and that kind of old style feel and the contract signing and the, the tag team tournament final match. Um, I'm probably going to hand it to AEW this week, just based on kind of them little things that was different and wasn't kind of copy and paste from something that WWE might've done. They are trying to uh, revisit stuff from, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago and make it work in the modern era. Much like we said about uh, NWA Power, trying to bring back what was old and make it new again. Mm -hmm. And I think that... um yeah, they are trying to, you know, go things about business their own way and uh, uh, not kind of copying their competition, which some people have actually accused them of doing, uh, strangely enough. But I felt that they do did have uh, quite a unique proposition this week. I found that the the matches and uh, the, the kind of the angle building segments were very, very good. And although I'm the biggest mark for NXT, I've got to hand it to AEW. But what about yourself? 
Yeah, AEW again. I've had AEW from the beginning, even with how good NXT was last week. I've had AEW sort of winning every week. But I only think it's hard to compare because one is just literally starting. I mean, I know that AEW is, is, is coming along as well, but the established stars are more with AEW. I feel NXT, although we know a lot of these guys, I think for the mainstream audience, um, they, they, you know, is a little bit of a, a backseat for them at the moment. But that's not to say in the future that's not going to change. I'm sure WWE have got some tricks up their sleeves to yeah. promote that that brand even more with, with the exposure of uh, bigger names going on. So for me, overall, what did I enjoy as a fan would have been AEW again, uh, just yeah. for some of the highlights you mentioned earlier. Yeah, like I say, they're building towards a big pay-per-view. Yeah. They're only kind of, yeah. you know, um, I suppose at the time of AEW uh, Dynamite playing on Wednesday, they would have had a week and a half between then and the pay-per-view. So things are building up towards some of their matches um, yeah. and uh, the angles are getting hotter and hotter. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed uh, Dynamite this week. Not to say I didn't enjoy NXT. It just wasn't as good as last week. Had it been on a par with last week, I probably would have gone with NXT. But uh, sure. two excellent shows nonetheless. I think Wednesdays, we are absolutely spoiled. And you're right to, uh, concentrate your podcast on uh, kind of what happens on a Wednesday as well because it's absolutely fantastic um, you know resting action and uh, but but one thing that uh, I, I wasn't planning to talk about originally when I planned this podcast was uh, Smackdown uh, now Smackdown doesn't usually it's not usually a regular feature on my podcast to be honest with you we did cover um, the debut episode on Fox from a few weeks ago but last night was a little bit different and um, it appeared that uh, a lot of the guys that were over in Saudi Arabia for the Crown Jewel event on Thursday there was some mechanical issue and some delay issues that meant that they weren't able to get back to the US in time for Smackdown last night unless of course you're Brock Lesnar who probably jumped on a plane five minutes after uh, winning his match against uh, Kane Velasquez and was on his private jet on the way back um, so uh, he was the only familiar face from Thursday night otherwise there were uh, WWE regulars like Sami Zayn and uh, Daniel Bryan who refused to go to Saudi for uh, personal and political reasons of course uh, but then news started to break halfway through Friday, halfway through yesterday, um, that uh, NXT talent were being drafted, being thrown on a plane and and, and sent to um, the, the, uh, the venue for SmackDown. And uh, it kind of made sense because, of course, it was announced on Thursday during Crown Jewel that the next pay-per-view Survivor Series will be SmackDown versus Raw versus NXT. And, of course, NXT have got a lot more prominence, having been on USA for the last month and a half, couple of months now. So it kind of made sense to have the show built around them. But I think it, it had a lot more NXT than they were kind of planning um, ahead of kind of the travel uh, issues from Saudi Arabia. Um, but just to run down some of the key things that happened last night on SmackDown, the show opened with WWE champion Brock Lesnar after his win against Cain Velasquez the night before, um, essentially quitting SmackDown as WWE champion and saying that he's going to uh, hunt Rey Mysterio over on Raw. Um, now, this obviously answers a lot of people's questions because um, after The Fiend won the Universal Championship and with The Fiend being a SmackDown wrestler, people were saying, well, you've got the SmackDown, uh, the, the Universal Championship and the WWE Championship being defended on the same brand that doesn't make sense well they kind of answered that almost straight away on Smackdown last night with uh, Brock Lesnar essentially quitting Smackdown to go and hunt Rey Mysterio on the Raw brand because of course Rey Mysterio can't possibly be seen on Smackdown because he's not a Smackdown guy so uh, despite the fact that he's been seen on Smackdown pretty much every week since the draft uh, apart from now uh, then we saw 
SmackDown Women's Champion Bailey defeat Nikki Cross in quite an entertaining match. However, uh, the talking point of that match was Shayna Baszler, the NXT Women's Champion. We've spoken about Shayna, um, of course, throughout this episode, hopping the guard railings to attack Bailey and Sasha Banks after the match. So possibly setting up a Survivor Series match between Bailey and uh, Shayna Baszler. So uh, yeah, that. That, that, that could be quite interesting. I'd definitely be up for that as well. Then uh, we've spoken a bit about Keith Lee and Matt Riddle. They made an appearance, confronted Sami Zayn uh, with Riddle and... Uh, uh, with Riddle dropping Zayn with a bro Derek and uh, followed by a Keith Lee moonsault. Then we had uh, Tommaso Ciampa. Um, he defeated The Miz after appearing on Miz TV and kind of throwing down the gauntlet to uh, uh, the 15-year veteran uh, Miz. And uh, that, that was a fun match, but Tommaso Ciampa coming out on the winning end there, as you would hope. Uh, Rhea Ripley and Tegan Knox defeated Fire and Ice. Uh, then we had the NXT champion Adam Cole taking on in what might consider the, the dream match of all dream matches, John, uh, Daniel Bryan in an excellent yeah. match. Um, so I don't think anybody could have predicted uh, seeing Adam Cole on SmackDown, let alone defending his championship, let alone uh, defending it against uh, Daniel Bryan and winning the match in a fantastic match. And then to cap it all off, we have Triple H. It gathers all the NXT troops in the ring uh, to send a message to the rest of the WWE locker room ahead of the next pay-per-view Survivor Series, of course, where it was announced uh, on Thursday that uh, Raw and SmackDown and NXT will be the, the three brands going up against one another on the 24th of November. So there's a lot to digest there. Uh, kind of what, what were some of the, the key things that jumped out at you? I mean, uh, starting with Brock, first of all, obviously answering that question that all of us are asking, what happens to the WWE Championship? He's just uh moved himself to the other brand yeah um i don't know i was a little bit surprised i thought fox would have been happy to have brock there being that he's an mma guy ufc background and i guess for a lot of their sort of audience sport fans you'd know who brock lesnar is um at the same time they may have looked at bray white and thought we want some of that as well so you know let's do a trade um, it seemed a bit cheap of a way of getting Brock onto Raw, if I'm honest, to say I quit. I didn't know you could do that. But there you go. <laughs> who's going to argue against Brock Lesnar? Who's going to argue with him, mate? <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, he wants this this beef with Ray, which is fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like I said at the earlier on in the show for Seth Rollins, it must be a real kick in the face, I think, for those guys that have dealt with Brock, you know, had him as the champion. It's almost like we're going backwards again. Um, I don't have a problem with Brock with the belt, but um, I'm just wondering, you know, after the Rey Mysterio stuff, who is available, who's ready to take on Brock, especially from the heel face point of view on Raw. So um, fascinating times there. But I suppose really, um, you know, the Fiend on SmackDown, um, hopefully they really build around him now on that show. Um, because they'll certainly have the space to now. So I'm, I'm interested to see where they go with Bray on uh, SmackDown as a, a solo champion, um, mm. you know, by himself on there against fresh opponents, hopefully. Yeah, definitely. It should hopefully freshen things up. I really don't want to see another Brock-Seth feud, certainly yeah. not this year or certainly not for the next <laughs> few years. But what about some of the NXT faces that appeared on SmackDown last night? Yeah. So, uh, like I say, if you're a big NXT fan like, like myself and you, it must have been uh, uh, yeah. you know, really uh, kind of a mark-out moment, really, something unexpected and very reminiscent of the, the failed uh, invasion angle Ooh, from uh, 2001. Um, but uh, hopefully, with, with Triple H having tight reins of what happens on NXT won't let it kind of fall by the way so it'll be treated the way that angle went down um but uh give us your thoughts on some of the nxt faces that appeared last night then 
Yeah, like a cruel twist of fate, really, isn't it? Um, the fact that, you know, they're all held up in Saudi Arabia gives NXT guys <laughs> <laughs> the biggest opportunity. I'm not sure this would have all happened and the exposure that they got would have happened. I'm sure they had this in the, the, the plan, but not as many. And um, you pretty much would have to say NXT stole, stole SmackDown, um, ultimately, yeah. the whole show. Um, I think, like you say, having, having Adam Cole uh, on the show, you know, up against Brian. I mean, that is a dream kind of match right there. You've got, um, you know, Keith Lee. I felt like Keith Lee and Matt Riddle looked like stars against Sami Zayn. The only problem I had with that is of all the main roster guys, Sami Zayn is the one guy I would have thought maybe NXT uh, through and through. But uh, other than that, um, it was fine. I just thought maybe they, they would have changed characters to who they do that with. Um, but yeah, it was great to see the NXT guys there, and it gives them massive amount of exposure uh, for Fox TV going forward. Um, mm. I'm curious now to see if they get the same kind of deal on Raw, whether that's going to be the same case with Triple H, you know, getting the troops together. Like you said, the invasion thing happened. We've all been there. We all know how not well that went. So hopefully, I've learned from their mistakes. Um, yeah, I think this could be done really, really well. Um, and this may put NXT over. I think this is the best way of doing it to say their brand is on a par with Raw and SmackDown. I think this is the best opportunity they've got of doing it. And Survivor Series may have to, you might have to put them over, but I think it will be worthwhile. This might be the thing that cements them from, you know, the de development that we know them as to, yeah. you know, a, a distinct brand. This could be the way of doing it and to show that they've got as good a talent as uh, both rosters. Yeah, they've got to be treated as equal, especially now they've got the USA contracts. Um, yeah. So it'll be really, really interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing what matches, um, you know, happen on Survivor Series, whether it's uh, any champion versus champion matches. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, I mean, there was kind of one picture that uh, dropped on my Facebook group yesterday, and it was a, a fan-made picture of the right. uh, Intercontinental Champion Shinsuke, uh, right. US Champion AJ, and uh, Roddy Strong, the North American yeah, Champion. Yeah. That, that would be a great three-way, so yeah. just fantasy yeah. booking, that would be pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, we will have to see which survivor series is only three weeks away yeah so uh they, they, they haven't got an awful lot of time to kind of build these matches and build these stories and announce mm -hmm. what's going on so i'm sure we'll see a lot more on monday and a lot more again next friday but uh, it was certainly a pleasant surprise i kind of saw uh some rumors before i went to bed last night when i woke mm -hmm. up this morning um yeah it was all over the internet so i'm really yeah. pleased it happened and they handled it really well uh mm -hmm. possibly because vince mcmahon was probably still stranded in saudi arabia <laughs> and he didn't have yeah. his fingerprints all over it it's more to do with <laughs> triple h and uh, bruce pritchard possibly mm -hmm. but uh, a really entertaining episode of SmackDown. And once again, we get to uh, two opportunities, two nights of NXT this week, essentially, with their regular yep. NXT show on the Wednesday, and then with what happened on SmackDown last night. So mm -hmm. uh, there we go. John, that draws us uh, to our conclusion of this week's wow, Wrestling with Johnners. We, we've, we've covered a lot of ground there, buddy. <laughs> uh, I want to thank you so much for kind of helping us out. We've covered yeah. Crown Jewel, of course, and uh, NXT, AW yep. Dynamite, and of course we've recapped on what happened with highlights from SmackDown last night. Uh, but uh, thank you for helping us out with this week's podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us on. And it's been a journey this yeah. one. I feel like we've been, we've been everywhere. But, we uh, certainly nice. have. Uh, I will say I'm excited for next week, though. So uh, we've yes. what's going to happen here. There's a lot to keep us engaged with. Definitely. Uh, so hopefully, yeah. Before we say goodbye, John, do you have any uh, plugs you want to throw out there? Any social media um, kind of handles? Yeah, so uh, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of throw it out there, buddy. Yeah, sure. For anybody that's interested in uh, independent wrestling in the UK, 
Um, I'm literally going around with WrestleLine. We get interviews with uh, all types of talent. Uh, so you can hit us up on WrestleLine channel on YouTube. Also available on Facebook, just at WrestleLine. Instagram, WrestleLine channel. Uh, Twitter, the same, WrestleLine. Uh, so hit us up there. And, of course, the podcast that we do weekly as well. You can get us on all the various platforms. I don't know how many of them are available now, but there are like hundreds uh, to when I first started this um, whole venture into it. I've never seen so many. So, uh, yeah, hit us up on there uh, at WrestleLine. But, uh, yeah, thank you very much. No, thank you, John. Thank you. And on next week's episode, of course, it's our special anniversary episode. It's going to be episode 77. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be joined by Kurt Johansson uh, from uh, Wrestle Thoughts podcast. Now, I think he's part of the uh, the Ringsider team uh, out there in uh, the podcast world. And uh, please get your questions in. It will be a special Ask Johnners special. So we'll be answering any questions you want to ask about uh, uh, the, the current wrestling scene, about my kind of wrestling fandom, or about uh, the podcast itself. Uh, but that will be um, dropping next Saturday on all popular podcast platforms if I can get my words right and of course YouTube and uh, yeah, so that'll be next week with Kurt Johansson, our uh, one-year anniversary super show. Uh, in the meantime, please keep it tuned to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast for all of your weekly NXT and NXT UK, AEW and WWE updates, including WWE and AEW pay-per-view reviews and uh, interviews and so much more. And if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please don't forget to spread the word, tell your friends and tell your family, and don't forget to subscribe to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast so that you don't miss out on a single episode. Uh, from myself, John Scott, and from my guest john scott uh, it's been a pleasure speaking to you all we'll catch up with you all again soon have a great weekend